you're listening to a Feast for Thrones, a weekly Game of Thrones podcast that analyzes and dissects every single episode of Game of Thrones. On the very final episode of the show, I'm joined by Maester John Taggart. Hello. And special guest who we've actually tried so hard to get onto the show for the last Christ knows how long. Since Small Maester, Pencil, since like season five. Since, yeah, since, yeah, that's it. Uh, it's Maester Jess. Hello, Jess. Howdy. It's her first podcast. Is this your first podcast? My very, very first one. Wow. How exciting. And your last. Well, I don't know. That sounds so threatening. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's not even said anything fucked. yet. And it's like, now you're done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show. It sounds worse <laughs> that you say it's since season five that you've been trying yeah, to get me yeah, on the yeah, podcast. Yeah. Uh, the scheduling for this show is sometimes fucking absolutely bonkers. But yeah, we're here to discuss the final episode of Game of Thrones, which was called what, John? The Iron Throne. The Iron Throne. Which was pretty ironic. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, that was the first thing that was spoiled for me. Did you guys have anything spoiled for the episode before you'd watched it? Nothing. Nothing for you? Mm, no. No? I stayed off the internet all day. Yeah. Did you stay off the internet? Were you like? Do you give yourself a social media blackout, Jess? No. No? You're I was like, on the edge. Yeah, you're like, yeah, let's <laughs> do it. Yeah. I go on Instagram, I go on Facebook, and then I'm halfway through my scrolling, and then I think, oh, See, it's Inst- Game of Thrones today. <laughs> well, Instagram used to be such a safe place and now it's fucking dangerous mm. because you follow all the accounts of the actors and, and now they just fucking ruin it. Especially if you follow non-official accounts, which I follow a lot of. Yeah. Yeah. Like fan, like fan accounts, you mean? Yeah. 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 And they're posting all the fandoms and shit. That's dangerous. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> thanks to a uh, person who will not be named for spoiling the fact that uh, Jon Snow lives and that he sees Ghost again. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you for messaging me at 12.30 on Monday. Does person who will not be named listen to this podcast? Uh, no. <laughs> I thought you meant John. But I don't, yeah, I'm just no, like not me. He, do you think he would have come over and watched it with me at night if I did that to him? Um, but Never yeah, talk to so, me again. Um, this one... That's hard. I, we, we're going to try and do another structured episode. Um, last week, John and I did a structured episode-ish for the Bells and we figured it'd probably be similar to do for this because this is sort of the end of a, of a cultural icon and um, something that's been pretty divisive within the community as a whole. Um, we're taping this pretty late in the week because I think it's one of those things that we need to sort of settle in and it took me a while to write the review and obviously get everyone sort of organized. So what I think we're going to do is we're going to open up with the first sort of half an hour, 40 minutes, which is essentially the aftermath of the sacking of King's Landing. So let's get some general thoughts first because this I found probably to be a mix of really strong and incredibly weak in terms of just output of the episode. So... Just we'll start with you. What, like, what was your biggest takeaway from that sort of opening moment? Until I guess you obviously listened to this as a spoiler. Until Danny's <laughs> death, pretty much. Spoiler alert, just in case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the biggest moment for me, the part that I loved the best, was at the end of her massive monologue on the top of the steps. Yeah. I just thought, wow, that's Amelia Clark just giving. 250 percent yeah <laughs> yeah coming full realization of her character and just absolutely being the tyrant that i think she should have been in that moment or having the idea that she could become one yeah and yeah i thought that part was awesome yeah john how are you feeling um it's a mix because i think uh, jess is absolutely right amelia clark was phenomenal and i can imagine a world in which it is possible for Daenerys to reach that point. Yeah, absolutely. But it's not this world. Yeah, Um, not now. This should be episode 10 of season 10. And if it was, and the build-up had been better, I could really buy it. And so it makes it hard for me to 
to judge phenomenal things like her incredible performance and what the phenomenal narrative arc that she's undergone should have been which i can see i agree with that i think it's right that she sacks king's landing i think it's right that she um almost becomes a tyrant i think it's right that john snow kills her and even a little predictable but still works but it just was marred by two things one the build-up that led towards it which yeah. undermined yeah. it everything she did yeah and two just the very very lazy plot holes stupid things like john snow walking up the steps with um, Grey Worm behind him and Grey Worm beating him to the top, for example. <laughs> just re- just really lazy, overlooked things that were... T- and it wasn't just that, you know, like that type of thing was yeah. constant throughout yeah. the episode. Yeah. Um, well, like, why wasn't Daenerys guarded in the throne room? You know, that's not explained. Why um, later on in the episode, which is, you know, obviously we're talking much later, but why wasn't Jon Snow killed by the Dothraki and the Unsullied? Why... Did he even tell them? How did they even know what happened to Daenerys if only the two of them were there? Just really like lazy plot points that undercut everything else. But as far as Amelia Clark's acting went, it was incredible. The um, the a lot of the shots were incredible. I did like the one of her with the dragon wings, even though it was a bit on the nose. Yeah, I was gonna say that's I the most, that was sick. That's the most on the nose shot of the episode, but it is so effective. And it still so made it just done. made me go. <gasps> For a second, I, I know. thought, ooh. Well, I exclaimed, I was like, that yeah. shot is sick, no matter how on the nose you might think it is. It's like Angel of Death and all this other stuff. But I'm sitting there going, this just looks good. Like, objectively, this is just a beautifully established shot, even though it yeah. is so on and the speaking nose of shots, of to pick up. Something that I really liked, even going back to the bells, was um, how a lot of previous shots, like, say, for example, with the Battle of the Bastards, had been flipped around. So, yeah. for example, the shot behind Harry Strickland was like the shot behind... Jon Snow previously yeah so we get the impression that yeah. obviously the the armies have flipped and obviously it's a it's not a dichotomy of issue it's not good v bad but it's just showing that there could be a mix in either yeah which I I liked a lot of that um perception of how Daenerys is conquering militant conformist army looks from an outside perspective and how when that's reframed and recontextualized not just narratively but just in terms of shots how terrifying that is as opposed to heroic and triumphant so i like that in terms of this episode even when she's giving that speech yeah i think that's why i liked it so much i think just that little section of the episode it made me want more it made me want to see what could happen if we lived in a world where her army was perceived like that yeah it actually made me want to see what she could be like if she continued to rule in that way yeah um which I think is cool. I think it's strong that they made you as a fan, even for a short time, crave that a little bit. But then it just died away. As John says, it's it's very ebb and flows. I, and I think that my big issue with it is that Amelia Clark delivers such a, an incredible performance with her speech to the Dothraki and the mm. Unsullied, which is honestly quite terrifying. But it all comes down to a point where like none of this feels earned at all because we haven't had that time and we were saying and we've been saying over the last couple of weeks that these moments that we're seeing from Danny are all beautiful and wonderfully acted and 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 moments that we want to see and we mm. wish that we could see but not now yeah. we should not be seeing this now and it's odd that they try and justify that i read something today that said 
it's almost as if they've tried to justify it by cramming it all into those two previously on Game of Thrones yeah. montages that we've yeah. had yeah. with the voiceovers, which is something that they've never, ever done before. I, I think- have two problems with that. One, if you have to signpost it to that degree, exactly. you haven't done a good job of leading yep. up to it. Exactly. Um, and this, I, I heard something actually online that I really like. They said for 71 episodes of, seven, of a 73 episode show, Daenerys was the breaker of chains, Misa, freer of the oppressed. In the 72nd episode, she burned a city to the ground. And then the 73rd episode, she was Hitler. And it was just like, that's yeah. so true. Like, it was so sudden. It was just ridiculous when you've had 71 episodes of her being a savior. And with the thing about her, you know, all of those things that they're trying to justify and describe how she's led to this point and how, you know, going right back to season one when she coldly looked at Viserys getting killed. I'm like, mm, you know who else is a cold-blooded killer? Arya. You know who else executed someone in episode one? Ned Stark, and he said to his son, when his son said, did he deserve to die? He said, oh, well, a man sees what he sees. So he was telling him that this guy, even if he didn't believe that he saw White Walkers, which it sounded doubtful, like maybe he did believe him, but even if he didn't, the guy was obviously mentally ill in Ned's eyes. Like he Mm. was crazy. He thought he'd seen something he hadn't seen. He wasn't lying. He wasn't a deserter, but Ned still did that. And a lot of these cold-blooded executions have been framed as codes of honor when they're conducted by other characters you know Arya gets the opportunity for some kind of hopeful redemption by being asked if she wants to live her life through um being driven only by revenge and she says no Daenerys just has to like flip into this you know lean right into that with no subtlety or nuance or forgiveness on the part of the creative team because we just have a montage of everything awful she's ever done or said. And I'm like, well, so is everybody else in the show. Like, why is she the one who is scapegoated Mm. for this she's evil um, trope when she clearly never, ever, ever has been? You know, her ascent should have been gradual. Yeah. I think... Or descent, rather. You you go, Jess. That's so interesting. That made me think when you talk about codes of honour, quote-unquote... I think the reason why we're okay with what Arya does is because her build-up is so long. And yeah. it's with all those subtle moments. If you think about the deaths that she's been responsible for, they're pretty gruesome. That's what I'm they're saying. They're really horrible. But when she gets to them, I'm trying to think of the one that I think it was in season five um, when she was in the brothel and oh, she took uh, her face yeah, off. Yeah, that's the yeah. end of season five, yeah. Um, like we root for that. Mm. We think it's great. And it's because we've built up that connection with her to the point where we think this is honorable for you. This yeah. is justified for you. And that's what annoys me. Danny when- doesn't have that. And if she should have that because she's the central character of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. And when Kit Harrington says, you know, like um, you as audience members are complicit in what she's done. If you've rooted for her, I'm like, well, the same thing is true of Arya. And maybe that yeah. is the subtle message of the show that anyone can be good or evil. History is written by the victors, which was a very major theme of the episode. So, Daenerys is the the villain, the baddie, and Arya's the goodie because they are the people who have survived to write and tell their stories. That's fine, but I don't think the show was subtle enough about that, um, you know, it, or explicit enough. Like yeah. whichever way you look at it, they were they were more explicit about making Daener- Daenerys uh, a despot, which she never has been. And Amelia Clark can't act something that wasn't there, no matter how phenomenal she is and yeah. was. And she gave it her all. And I think that these two episodes have done a, a, an incredibly... We talk about on-the-nose imagery. I think they, they've done such an incredibly on-the-nose job of making her so villainous. So the episode basically opens on a one-shot of Tyrion walking through just 
destruction and people burnt alive and, and, and people with skin falling off and all sorts of other random, just horrifying shit. And then obviously getting to that point where Grey Worm's executing the, the Lannisters. Yeah. Um, the episode does such a huge job of just trying to really like em- emphasize the fact that she's done something bad, which I mean, she has, but we just haven't seen any of that journey. And she's not even there. Like that scene, That's she's it. not even physically in that scene no. to not quite, not defend herself, but yeah, exactly. She's the other in that scene. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. And the thing is, there's a, the, her moment in the throne room is so again, beautifully acted by her because she has those, I, this is why I'm kind of forgiving of this, of her moment in the, this opening part of the episode. And obviously until her death. Her journey has been one where she's wanted to obviously free those that are living under a tyrant. And she's succeeded for the most part, obviously becoming a tyrant herself. But she succeeded in getting to the goal, which was the Iron Throne. Like, which is, I say in quotes, like she is the rightful heir to it. <clears throat> but not anymore. <laughs> um, but seeing her actually attain that goal, I felt good, but not like, oh my God, like... This is the payoff to all of this investment that I've put into her character. Um, instead, I was just sort of like, oh, she got it. That's good. And Amelia Clark, again, at that point when she's walking up to that throne, her eyes are wide open like a fucking kid. Like there's this moment where she's in a candy store. Like it's almost like in a candy store and she's she can see everything. And it's like, I've done it. Like this is it. And for me, it's like, yeah, okay, that actually makes sense for her arc. But I always it always just comes back to me going, yeah, but what happened in between that? Because not a lot has, like, it, it, it got up to episode three of season eight. And then after that, it's basically just blank. And then it's, I'm a just turn on everyone. And to me, that just, I, I, I can't, I can't quantify that internal like internally just going, yeah, yeah, this is great. I, I think just it's can't. just because theme and plot have been prioritized over character. Yeah. Way so much. Yeah. So much. Yeah. Um, and obviously... D&D just want to go and make Star Wars. Yeah. Well, that, like, that's the bottom line. <laughs> it feels like that. How did you guys feel about um, John killing Danny? Because like you were saying, John, the, that moment feels logical and feels like an outcome that mm. I'm actually totally fine with. Mm. But again, the journey there is not earned. Did you guys feel that moment for me personally? I watched it and I was like, oh, okay. I wasn't like, oh my God, like that re- relationship is... I've been so invested in it and John is actually turning on her, but because again, they've accelerated it. Mm. We don't know what their relationship is. We don't want, we don't know the nuances and the relations that they've had because they've shared similar experiences. You know, John's talked to Amon Targaryen up at the wall and, and talked about being, you know, sort of like not exiled, but I blanking on the word, but there's those shared experiences that we could honestly, if we were given two more seasons, we'd probably be able to explore on a deeper level. And then that moment, to me, probably would have been a really huge moment that we could put in sort of the pantheon of this was Game of Thrones at its peak. And it's not. It's just this scene where he's like, you're always going to be my queen. Then he stabs her and then she dies like straight away. And for me, I I didn't find it as powerful as I thought I would. Do you guys, how do you guys feel about that, Jess? I was good to go before you, John. Because <laughs> I, I have no issue just talking at length. So we've <laughs> that is just true. Like, I am nice and first. short. <laughs> I actually felt... I was saying this on the night that we watched it and you weren't there, Nick. Yeah. Um, 
you can tell it's going to happen. Yeah. It, it's not shocking. And I think that might be the problem. The directors and the producers almost wanted it to be, or wanted us to feel, <gasps> yeah. that wasn't coming. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, so, I think if you take that aside, because that's just not going to happen. It's so obvious. Yeah. Um, I actually felt pity. I felt kind of sad that here's these two central characters and they just get that tiny little moment and then that's it. Not that John's part in the story is over, but it kind of is over from that point. It goes really down really fast. Um, Yeah, I felt sad for them. Yeah. Not sad because their relationship was broken because like you say, we're not invested in that nearly as enough as we should have been. Yeah. but yeah, I felt pity. I think. Yeah, it's it's just I feel pity for both of them because it's like they they honestly acted. But it was beautiful. But like the music and the visuals of it was mm. was beautiful. Mm. It was a nice moment, but it was just so brief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, a relationship that we're not that we should be invested in because mm. these are so like such critical characters to the show, but also their journey is something that we've invested the last nine years into to be extinguished in that sort of way just to me i just i was like this is not a powerful moment like any of the other moments preceding it it could have even been made a little bit more powerful if he had a little bit more doubt like i yeah. think coming off the end of his conversation with Tyrion, he's definitely not sold on the idea at all no. um yeah he seems to make his decision as he's talking as to her. he's, like talking he's begging her to but show it, some sign of remorse so yep. that he doesn't have to do it. But then imagine if he he started to do it and then hesitated and then him hesitating actually made it more painful for her or more gruesome. Yeah. Like that would have been hurtful to me as a viewer. Yeah. If they had to just varied it a little bit more. Yeah. Instead, it's just like an... It's almost... It a, just like off- slips in and then she's dead. Well, it's almost <laughs> an off-screen death. Yeah. Because you don't see it. You just... They hug and then it's just like you kind of hear like the stab and then you go... Oh, yeah, that's right. It's he, very he Shakespearean. It. it feels like on very a stage almost. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's well that's yeah, that's a oh, it's really interesting. I didn't actually think about it in sort of a Shakespearean sense. And the image of him holding her in his arms, like it looks like a Renaissance painting. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not, like a real thing that's actually happening. Yeah. yeah. How did you feel about it, John? I think Okay, so obviously there's been a huge backlash from the fandom, mm. right? And the, some of the cast have responded to that by saying, uh, Sophie Turner in particular has said, <laughs> like, you just didn't like the way it went or it just didn't go the way you wanted it to go. And I'm like, that's bullshit. Like, we didn't want Ned Stark to get his head cut off. We didn't want the Red Wedding to happen. You know, I certainly didn't want Marjorie to get blown up in the sept. But everything... And all of sorry. those... Stop are, laughing. Sorry, that's I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But all of those are so that's iconic. A- like, you make... You're right. We hate yeah. them, but that, like you say, that's in the pantheon. Yeah, that, those are pantheon they are the moments. ultimate moments. Yeah, of Nick, you're a disgrace, man. I can't believe you're laughing about <laughs> really upsetting. I really upset. Of course, he's off. laughing. The point is, <laughs> like, all of those were cause and effect moments. Yeah. You can look at choices that characters have made, and ha- that have led up to that, um, and it's and it's it's cause and effect. Mm. Whereas this as you say, it isn't earned because there isn't a cause and effect up to that point. She keeps talking about this good world she wants to make, but it's very much a tell, don't show. Same thing with her and John's relationship. They Mm. keep telling us Mm. that they're in love. They keep telling us that they are attracted to each other. I don't ever see that. I'm not shown that. And so to tell me that you know what a good world is, Daenerys, but to not explain why you killed the people that you claim to be there to save and to really have that motivation 
for why you're doing what you're doing made more explicit how and why you perceive them as your enemy without that the death her death is both predictable and undermined um i like the fact that john does it i read a lot of people um saying that they would have preferred Arya had done it no i i think john in retrospect i think john is the right choice i like that it was john because you daenerys and the night king are polar opposites like yeah. we talked about last week um Arya and john are very similar that you know they're like the closest siblings they look the same in the books and um and obviously it's john and daenerys sort of bookend the series not just the the show but you know like the saga as a whole yeah so i think it is right that he does it um one thing that i did like about it was that Tyrion says to john uh you know love is the death of duty um or rather, he says that to Tyrion, and Tyrion says, "Duty is the death of love." Yeah. And what you're supposed to take from that, obviously, is that you know John's duty to the realm is to go and kill Daenerys, which is the death of his love. But if you think about it in another way, he didn't actually have any intention of killing Daenerys, even if she executed him, as Tyrion suggests she might, until Tyrion mentioned Sansa and Arya, and he was like, "Do you think your sisters will be safe?" So in that sense love is the death of duty in that his love for his sisters is the death of his duty to his queen. So I, th- I like that because it works bo- in both ways. Mm. Like his duty mm. to the realm kills his love for Daenerys, but his love for his family kills his duty to Daenerys. Yeah. Um, and so I liked how that was written. I thought it was the best written episode of the series uh, of the season <sighs> rather. I'm just, in the UK, we say like series one, series two, yeah, so yeah, I meant season. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I thought it was the best written episode of the season, but that's not saying much. But I didn't really care for how their scene in the throne room was written because I thought her saying, oh, you know, like, you know what a girl, good world is. You've always known. I was like, Daenerys, like, what are you talking about? Th- those like, lines I'd from- be like, this is the first time we're having this chat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like what you did is not this good world it just doesn't make any sense yeah. but i thought the imagery was very beautiful mm. thematically it was right that he did it narratively it makes sense that he did it um it just as you said wasn't earned which therefore it didn't make it especially moving no. although when drogon flew away with her that was beautiful well, i mean drogon's arrival after that before we go on has sparked some incredible memes um but also it is powerful in its own yeah. sense because th- this is the one thing I have to give the show credit for. Uh, the show, and I mean, the, sh- the show deserves all the credit in the world for the most part, but mm. the personality that they've given those dragons is is really, really amazing. And the fact that the animation team, uh, the visual effects team have done such a spectacular job giving Drogon, I mean, like, Drogon the most personality because obviously it's Danny's dragon. Um, but also having that sort of like companion qualities to him, it f- makes those moments even more powerful. So when Drogon comes down and consoles Danny uh, as she's mourning Jorah's death, and then now obviously Drogon coming down and trying to like wake her up yeah. and not understanding that she's dead, again, for me, was quite affecting. I thought, oh my God, like this is really upsetting. This yeah. is also because I love animals and dogs and shit. But it's a universal It feeling. is, it is. Yeah. And the thing is, and y- you feel... Honestly, like, I feel more for Drogon's pain than I do John's. Because John, like, he kills her and he's obviously upset that he's had to do it. But Drogon, like, as weird as it sounds, I felt more for Drogon than I did for John at the, at, in this point. Because... I think that's because John's already dead, though. He's kind of 
emotionally deadened, I think, yeah. by that point. Yeah, probably, yeah, that's it. But I also, I just think, like, Danny's relationship with her dragons has been such a critical point to her development and also, like, her understanding of her own power and, like, her background and, like, everything to do with her, sort of her lineage. But, like, again, when Drogon comes down and he moves her and then picks her up and then basically takes her to... My, my guess is that he takes her to, to Valyria. But um, I, I found that really, really moving. And also I, that the moment when Drogon sort of gets upset and, and tortures the the throne, I thought was incredibly well done too. I know that you weren't a fan of the visual effects, but I thought it was great. Oh, yeah! I didn't think the visual effects were amazing. I liked that he killed the he killed the throne. He killed yeah, the he throne. destroyed <laughs> the throne. Um, I think it was. You know, I've seen a few people say, oh, you know, he did that because he knew it was really the thing that killed yep. her and it was her power and ambition. Mm-hmm. But, and, you know, and if she, or if she couldn't sit on it, no one was going to sit on it. But I don't really think it was any of that. Like, I don't I think, think it was either. <laughs> he yeah. saw the sword in her and the throne was made of swords. So, yes, metaphorically, the throne killed her, but he saw that as a literal thing, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Like, he made the connection between the sword in her and the, the chair made of pointy things um but obviously not understanding that there is a metaphor that it really did kill her yeah um so i liked that um i one thing i was actually thinking about when you kept referring there to danny i did not like in this episode that everyone was calling her danny i was like yeah, can you stop like john did that one time and she literally said to him like I haven't been called that since my abusive brother called me that. And he was like, oh, not Danny then. And yet, next minute, everybody in this episode <laughs> is like, Danny this, Danny that. And I was like, can you please not call her Danny? Like, it's not, it, it's again, it's like D&D writing the game ball. I was like, this is, it's like fan world inside yeah. the real world. And I was like, mm. and it's just little things like that. I'm like, call her Daenerys. Like, yeah, because it makes sense. And everybody, like that. Tyrion yeah. was doing it. John was doing it. Every, and like I think they said Danny more than they said Daenerys, and I was like, no, that's yeah. not her name. See, I've, I've been calling her Danny since the start because it's so hard. to But spell you're not her in the show. Name? Oh, you're I not know, a character in, in universe. Yeah, they don't just, address it's them. It's just bad that it's until the last episode ever. Yeah, yeah and, and then, then suddenly everybody's like apart. pulling out. Yeah, that's, yeah, Danny this, Danny that. I was like, uh, even she wasn't even there. They're talking about her, and I was like, mm, I don't like that. It pulls me out of the world. Yeah, yeah, because it's yeah, you just don't. It's lazy. Yeah. Um, how did you how did you guys feel about? Before we move on, how do you guys feel about Tyrion and Jon's exchange in the uh, oh, and bef- in the chamber? After that, I want to talk quickly about the very beginning mm. with Cersei and Jane oh yeah, and yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, of course. We well, we, we can talk about Tyrion as a whole. Um, we'll start at the, we'll start at the start. So Tyrion obviously walks through King's Landing and um, goes to his little spot where he's he told Jamie and, and Cersei to fly, and then finds them under <laughs> rubble somehow. Somehow. Um, <laughs> what, what, what was your takeaway from this one, Jess? I thought the beginning was visually beautiful. Mm. I read somewhere that they based it off imagery of the bombing of Dresden, which I think oh, yeah. is a little on the nose that they can just take this huge historical event and think, <laughs> we're going to put that in Game of Thrones. Yeah. But it was really beautiful with all the ash and just the color palette I thought was yeah. amazing. Um. And I think they're doing a lot of that, a lot of those shot sequences where they follow one character from behind. From behind, yeah. Um, which I really like. Yeah, because they did it with Aya last week. And John in season and, um, Battle of the Bastards as yeah. well. They did a lot of that. Yeah. Um, I didn't particularly like his speech with John 
But I did really like his moment um, with Jamie and Cersei, surprisingly. Really? I, I was, yeah, really. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm not saying like it's a bad thing. I'm, I, like, because the thing is, it's one of those things that, honestly, in, in a lot of the things that I've read and, and the podcasts and stuff, it's one of those things that's actually been glazed over quite a lot. People haven't really ha- addressed it because. Yeah. I think people forget about it. It happened right it's at very the beginning. Quick. Yeah. Um, and after they died the episode previous, I I felt a bit cheated. I thought they died <laughs> yeah. in a really shitty way. Yeah. And it almost felt surreal. I didn't believe that they died. Yeah. Um, so I liked it for that reason, but I just think his performance in that scene was really good. Yeah. Almost to the point where I felt like we didn't have to actually see the shot of them under the rubble. I would have been happy with him crying over that pile of rubble and that would have been enough for me. Yeah. His performance moved me, but seeing them I don't think was 100% necessary. Yeah. I, I was saying after the episode finished, I was like, it really is kind of bizarre seeing them dead. It was odd, yeah. Um, where, And I... I'm kind of in like in your car when it comes to that. I would have preferred to see Tyrion just react off, or maybe just the, the hand. They could have stopped. Yeah, there. the hand, yeah. the hand. I think that was a powerful shot, and that's as far as it needed to go. Or even just Tyrion trying to to clear the the rubble off them and as getting well. frustrated because yeah, because there's a ton of rubble. Yeah, exactly. But also, it doesn't make sense <laughs> that their bodies are so preserved. I think the okay, so yes, the rocks were obviously made yeah. of polystyrene because their bodies were just alabaster beauty. <laughs> yeah, but with a few brief. Yeah. Facial cuts. Yeah. But I think, again, <laughs> so good. what they were doing there was prioritizing imagery over yeah. any kind of logical sense. And the image of them together, because they were intertwined, that's obviously how you look in the womb. So it's like in the womb, in the tomb. Like they, like literally. <laughs> yeah. The new saying, John. Yeah. Well, they were. Like that's, so they were, the fact that their bodies were like intermingled together um, and like because they'd been crushed were so. Um, one like mm. yeah. and they are you know just two halves of the whole I think that's what they wanted that image to represent was that like you know came into this world go out of it blah blah but like literally in the womb that's how squished they would have been in the tomb just the same and so that's the point they were trying to get across I think but you're right like in a in a real world sense their body should have been much more mangled and also it sort of took away the scene from Tyrion a little bit Um, and you're right if he just cried over the hand or you pulled back the rubble and we hadn't seen them. It's like, well, I know that they're there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't need that shot per se. It's yeah, it was it was it was filmic, it was beautiful, but wasn't mm. particularly affecting to me. And I also really don't like the fact that they have changed Tyrion's character in terms of his relationship with Cersei in the last three seasons so beyond recognition. Like he hates her. He should yeah. want her dead and be celebrating her death based on everything that happened in season four and the start of season five. And the fact that they just seem to have forgotten about all of that and he still just comes back to, well, she's my sister and I naively, blithely trust her. I'm like, mm, she's Cersei Lannister. Like, she's wanted you dead since childhood. I don't yeah. know why you're crying over her at all. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, don't, I don't like what they've done with him in that regard. Yeah, it's essentially just building that sort of emotional moment just to have it as an emotional moment just for but the even sake. before that to like, resolve it yeah, yeah yeah even the stuff with her defending with him defending cersei to daenerys and believing in cersei's innate goodness and her willingness to you know look out for a child and all this i'm just like Tyrion, like do you not remember the trial by combat <laughs> like yeah exactly yeah that's it remember having to get smuggled out of the city when <laughs> he probably remembers she wanted it. you dead <laughs> <laughs> How could the director's like we don't care. <laughs> yeah, true. Fast forward. 
Yeah, yeah. So, and, and, and as for the his conversation with John, it was a necessary plot device. Yeah. Um, why he was allowed to see Tyrion, I have no idea. Like, yeah. again, just whatever. It was just to get John to that point. I think it was very long. Like yeah. I was saying to you after we watched it, he said, just kept going. go and kill Danny about 10 different ways. Yeah. And John's just sitting there like, I don't get it yet. Shoot my yeah. queen. And the thing is, I think the whole point of it is just to show John's internal struggle. But at the end of the day, like, he's been given three episodes to start that internal struggle. Mm. Not not a season where mm. he's able to go, damn, Danny's like, Danny's acting up. And then, you know, 10 episodes later, it's like, oh my God, like, we're at a point where it's like, I, I'm, I have to do this. This has to be done. It Otherwise, felt a bit preachy. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. It felt overwritten. Yeah. Very overwritten. And I did not get anything out of it. Honestly, I cannot remember a lot of, of their actual interaction little, together yeah. other than him going, your sister's. Do you think, like, you know, like, have you thought about your sisters? And then obviously, for some reason, they all understand the Dothraki sound for, uh, word for Winterfell, because they all recognize that when she says that in Dothraki. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting. Because she was like, Winterfell, and then John and Tyrion are like, <gasps> Yeah. What? Um, but and also, like, yeah. I thought that was a powerful moment at the time, though. Oh, no, it was. Because it really you was. could really yeah. imagine for the first time yeah. if you're yeah. someone on the other side of the fence listening to her speak and you're thinking, shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, she's saying something bad and I don't know what she's saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also, Tyrion is one of the only people in the world who knows that Arya and Sansa are not his sisters. Like, yeah. It's kind of like the, the, what <laughs> yeah. underpins this whole problem in the first place. Just, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, 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 I struggled to connect with this first sort of half an hour of. 40, 40 minutes of the Which episode. is so sad. Like It is pretty it depressing. It should have... Pretty Daenerys' arc should have... Should have been moving. Yeah. And, and it mean, was just to get her out of the way as fast as possible so that we could resolve... Yeah. Westeros moving forward. Exactly. That was it. It was like... Yeah. Danny's downfall happens in 40 minutes. That's it. She gets 40 minutes. That's all it is. And a lot of that was Tyrion talking. <laughs> yeah. And honest, that's it. That's it. He, 20, he gets 20 minutes to, to preach to John to tell John, you know, stop struggling and just go and fucking do it, dude. That to me is just, you know, we've invested so much time into them, and the fact that Benioff and Weiss were just like, oh no, we got the Star Wars bag, so we're out. I don't know. It just it pisses me off because like I wanted this is like when before we started taping the episode, I had to like I took I was taking breaths. I had nothing spoiled other than John, mm. and, I, and you, you know I watched it like eleven o'clock at night and came over to John's to watch it, and I was like breathing because i was like holy shit this is it this is this is it like here we go and then it got into the episode and i didn't really find anything emotionally resonating about it on a on a really deep level that i thought i would with like you know night of the seven kingdoms with it which was basically a love letter to all the side characters and like also like the battle for winterfell you know just yeah this I struggled a lot to connect with the, this 30 to 40 minutes. And then I kind of struggled for the most part for the rest of the episode to connect with anything really, other than maybe Aya and Brienne more than anything else. And Sansa to some extent, but Sansa really got nothing anyway. So yeah, I figured we can probably move on to that. Those, the resolution of, of Westeros. How are we guys feeling? How are we, we, we good for that? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think just on the whole, not really getting much out of it and D and D's rush job, I think everybody resents them right now, mm. but they may, maybe they resent George as well because yeah. they didn't have any material. So yeah, yeah. like if he 
done his job, they would have had something to adapt from. So yeah. And any decision they make is going to be yeah. ripped to shreds. Everything's, everything's under a microscope. And this is the thing. And, and I'll probably say this at the end of the episode. We've been given some of the worst episodes of the show in the last couple of weeks. Last of the Starks, I would probably put it in my bottom two. But at the end of the day, Benioff and Weiss and the creative team have given us this show in the first place. Like they've yeah. d- they've managed to develop and adapt this show to a point where it is so ingrained in the public consciousness that unifies everyone for good or bad. Mm-hmm. And for that, I cannot sit here and be like, they're the worst people on earth. I, yeah, and yet that's why this is more of a slap in the face. Exa- oh, no, but th- I'm not... Yeah, I'm not saying that that's such a bad thing. Stop playing with the hair. Um, <laughs> that's such a bad thing because I would say that, like, having having them sort of give up almost is what upsets me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Because it feels like they've just given up because Disney was like, hey, here's a fuckload of money. Make three new Star Wars movies. Because to be fair... Making Star Wars movies would be pretty sick. Like that's like a once in a never, ever, ever. Mm. One, you would literally have to be like. But then one give the people. give the show and a job to someone else. Like and yeah, like give it to Brian Coburn who wrote hundred percent, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, he would have been great. Or you know Miguel Sapochnik. Like yeah, your no, David Nana. Oh, absolutely. David yeah, he's got somebody people to choose. Yeah, David Nana's great. Your um, you know, your Confederacy show is going nowhere. So yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, yeah, you're right. Second half of the episode. Yeah. All right. So, we're going to move on. So, this was the uh, the resolution of Westeros, which uh, culminated in uh, a montage of things. Um, Bran becoming the king of the six kingdoms. Uh, <laughs> Before we get on to that. Yeah. We forgot to talk about. I've already said this to John and everybody I know a thousand times, but the score was mint. The score has been absolutely incredible the whole But I think specifically last or this week, I think he just reverted back to the themes that he wrote so well, Mm. but presented them in a way that was really final. I was going to say there was a a sense of finality to it. Yeah, especially which will come to the end montage with all the Starks Mm. kind of Mm. going on their own paths. Um, I've listened to it back the entire week. Yeah. And it's just, just like was it just the episode like the season score that you were listening to? This uh just this episode score right, specifically. Right, right. Yeah. Um Are there like episode are there like playlists on Spotify for that? Or on YouTube. Oh, okay, yeah. watching it. Yeah, the playlist yeah. is on YouTube. Um and it's like the earlier scores. It's like those ones where you can really listen to them. They're a distinct. piece of music yeah. and they're distinct, yeah. which I really loved. Um but it's kind of sad that that's what I'm emotionally connecting to on the last episode ever of Game of Thrones. Yeah, but yeah, that's the thing. It's like, that's the thing that you're able to pick out. Yeah. You're able to go, the the score for this was incredible. And it, But and it shouldn't be the only thing. No, it shouldn't. Yeah. It really shouldn't. <laughs> but like, that's the thing. It, it is such a special part of the show and it has been so consistently good and not at all. I don't think there's been a bad moment of But I love that show. he did it in that way rather than, for example... Um, having just the show with the theme Night playing King, with him. his death, the score for that bit, mm. and also back when the Sept was bombed. Yeah. Rather than doing something really unique with a really different piece of music, I'm really glad that he just did Game of Thrones, but ramped up. But like, yeah. but almost like Game of Thrones that feels so connected to a specific character as well. Yeah. With especially because of those branching Starks. Yeah. All of them felt connected to the theme and it didn't feel like, just like, we're going to play the theme under all of them. It was no, like, he here's liked, a distinctive moment for that. He laid it really that. well. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway. Um, sidebar. <laughs> broken Bran is where we were. Yeah, Bran the Broken. Um, 
I don't know where to start with this final bit. Let, I, I, let's start with the good. Let's let's go with the good because I think there were some actually pretty decent moments. Uh, I said pretty decent. There's some really good moments. Brienne writing Jamie's history in the um, in the yeah, book of the that was touching. That was, was book of the Kingsguard. Yeah, yeah. For me, that was the most moving part of the episode. Like it's really more special. so than um, John killing Daenerys. Like I yes. I cried when she was writing that. I want um, her to be in that book though. Is she, she will not be. going to be. No, she will be because it's she's it's, Lord Commander of the Kingsguard. Yeah, yeah, once you're Lord Commander. You go in the book, but you basically have to have obviously stopped working pretty much uh-huh. before your entry is written, or like your your entry is final, or whatever. Because you could see like half of Jamie's was written. But I was thinking complete. the whole time: a, she's writing super fast for calligraphy style. <laughs> yeah. B, Wrong. the ink is not dry. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! I sent a meme to John where it was just like, um, it was uh, what is it, Elias? Elaria. Elaria's oh. like reaction with like, yeah, when Brienne yeah. like when Brienne like closes the book with the ink not dry. Yeah, I was like that as well. That- but you know that like half finished part was a throwback to when Joffrey like mocked him. Hey. Because yeah. he was like, Jamie Lannister, like, oh, yeah, like, look at how many empty pages there are with you. Like, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, you yeah, piece yeah. of shit, nothing, night. Like, what have you done? And he's like, oh, there's time for deeds yet. And he's like, you're 40-year-old night with one hand. Yeah, what time? Like, <laughs> just like, and so obviously. And Brian's like, look at all the deeds I can write about you, him. Fuck yeah. <laughs> And she also, like, I like that a lot of the things that she wrote were diplomatic half-truths. But mm-hmm. some of them were straight-up lies. Like, she wrote that he escaped from... Daenerys's captivity and I'm like no he didn't like Tyrion set him free yeah and I, I like that did she know that though well I don't know if she knew or not I don't see why she wouldn't know hmm. but I just really like the fact that it really pl- capitalized on history being written by the victors that is Jamie's legacy for centuries and it was not accurate yeah like and that's yeah. because of how she felt about him and so because of your personal bias and your personal investment beautiful and touching to us as that was knowing what she's been through to get to that point i thought it was very poignant that you know at the end of this history daenerys is the villain forever because the people who are around to survive are going to paint her that way yeah they don't she know destroyed the eight years up to this point yeah you know exactly. what's led her to that or we don't know what's led her to that but yeah. like, you know there's not there, no one's going to write her history of essos and marine and all those things no but they're going to write this very saccharine version of Jamie. And I just like that as a theme. Um, but I also thought on a more surface level, Gwendolyn Christie's performance of doing that to <sighs> honor him in spite of how shit so on she good. was by him was just stunning. And She's it's just so, so good, good that she wasn't only last seen crying oh, and him leaving. Yeah. Like, oh, thank God yeah. she had another scene because yeah. I was worried because, about that. Yeah, honestly, I was worried that the show was going to abandon her at that mm-hmm. point. I'm like, that's such a pathetic thing to do, like, by her character, considering mm-hmm. her journey. Again, it's been something that we've been so connected. But also, at that point, had been something that had been closed so beautifully and then reopened when Jamie decided to um, have a stroke and then go back to fucking Cersei. So, I don't know. For me, like, I, I agree, John. I think that moment when Brienne is writing Jamie's history is incredibly beautiful it was the best part of the episode um, for me i would i would it's up there for sure yeah i can't, honestly can't think of something that has probably resonated with me as deeply as that perhaps maybe i just having her moment with john other than that there's not much else that i'm sitting there going oh man you came in thrones yeah but <laughs> except for the score except for the score yeah <laughs> um let's let's talk about the council because a council is somehow convened Number one. Number the one, North it's was, sunny as hell. Yeah. yeah. Not winter anymore. I need no ash. Yeah. And the North was way too overrepresented. Like, why were all three Starks there, plus Yon Royce, plus um, 
someone else who was clearly a Northern Lord, plus Robin Aaron, who, yes, he's Lord of the Vale, but he has a soft spot for Sansa. Like, and yet there was one... Uh, and and Ed Muir, who is um, Sansa's uncle. And then there was, like, one Dornish guy there and, like, one guy there who may or may not and have Yara. represented, like, the Rebel Alliance and, and Yara. <laughs> yeah. It was ridiculous. I was like, why is everybody here, like, representing the North? Like, it's, it's a, and that really pissed me off that um, when it came to electing Bran we can come on to that but other than Sansa which we can also come on to everybody just shrugged agreement they're just like Robin literally shrugged he was just like yeah whatever and I was like there were I mean I know that they're they're passed out now but like there were the Tyrells there were the Dornish there were there are the Dornish the Dornish were there there was one new Prince of Dorn (laughs) that's our explanation for who this is is it supposed to be Quentin Martell because Unnamed. <laughs> we need some explanation for who these people are yeah. and what they're doing and where they've come from. Their motivation. Why are they there in the first place? All like, of these houses have always been so intricately explored as part of the show's history. And now suddenly it's the North and some other randoms. And I mean that like literally honestly, the whole of Westeros is just the Starks and some, you know, um, space fillers. Yeah. It was, it was frustrating. Yeah. I, I thought Yara giving that moment where she's having where she's like John needs to be tried and justice needs mm. to be served because he's he's killed someone that has pro- like freed us and that has like basically liberated us and then it's like Bran should be king she's like I and it's like oh okay well sh- sure did you, did you just were you just like fuck it because she that's saw just, a cue card yeah yeah she's like <laughs> off screen <laughs> I yeah <laughs> she's like looking in the distance but like for me I just sit there and I'm like Okay, so if you just completely gone, you know what? It, it, it's too much like for this because me bringing this up is going to cause too much drama. I'm just going to say yes. To me, like that is like again, Yara is it not much of a character at this point anyway? Well, it's really but, but you, you come to Yara, like sorry, Jess. Um, you know, Arya said to her, "Oh, you know, if you talk about killing my brother again, like I'll cut your throat." And it's like one pipe down, like be quiet, Arya. Why are you even there? Yeah, and two. Her brother actually did die defending the North. like <laughs> Defending your king. Like, are you fucking for real? Like, why is, why is all of this, you know, like, Stark's hurrah, how we're closing out Game of Thrones and giving Arya those kinds of, like, comedic lines and giving Sansa an opportunity to sass her uncle so all the fandom can be like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, Tobias Mingus, I hope you got paid well for getting brought back to do that. But, like, Yara's brother actually died. Like, I don't understand why no one is acknowledging and addressing any impact that any of the Game of Thrones has had on any of the other characters or houses or um, regions except the Starks because they seem to be the only people who matter now. Which doesn't make sense if you think about the way that Sansa behaved when she lit his pyre. Theon's? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. You'd think everybody's just forgotten now. Yeah. Like like two weeks ago, John was like, oh, no one will ever forget them. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was like, well, guess what? (laughs) Yeah. Give it two weeks and then that's exactly what happened. But the thing is, in the grand scheme of things, how do you guys feel about Bran being named king? Because when that happened, I was like, "Uh, all right. Again, I would probably attribute that more to being like, I don't care at this point. I don't give a shit. That, when I look at that, and the council there and the people that are wondering who's going to get elected. I'm like, well, 
can't think of anyone else. So Bran's going to have to do, I guess. Do you want to hear something really controversial? Yeah, go for it. I really liked it. Okay, I, no, thought, no. I thought it was a great idea. I Tell me why. Um, I semi-agree. Oh, no, that's good. No, I want to hear this. I'm I don't really like how it was done, how it was handled at all. I don't like that whole council thing, blah, blah, blah. He's got the best story. Yeah, bullshit, bullshit. Yeah. Like, it's like everything this season in that episode, like, poorly executed. Yeah. But I think as a resolution to the story, it's awesome. Um, it's somewhat unpredictable, but still makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Sure. Bran opened the story by getting thrown out the window and has closed the story by being named the King of Westeros. He is Ned Stark's legitimate surviving male heir. So it's kind of poetic that he ends up sitting on the Iron Throne when Joffrey killed Ned. And the reason that the Night King wanted to kill him was because he is the collective consciousness of all humanity. So, the again, like if you think about the Night King and Daenerys as polar opposites, the polar opposite of the Night King being defeated is his arch nemesis, Bran, being the, like, inverted commas, like, winner of the Game of Thrones. And presumably Bran will be a wise and just king because he will understand what's happening in every region at any time he needs or wants to. There are a lot of like plot holes in that as a resolution. Like, for example, why do you need a Master of Whisperers? In fact, why do you need any council people to help you? Because you'll know exactly what the most perfect ideal tax <laughs> yeah. rate should be or how many planks of wood are available for these ships at any given time or whatever. And yet you're not even in the council meeting. You just come in and say hello and then get wheeled out again. Those kinds of things are stupid yeah. and I think will yeah. be better explained in the books. As I say, badly, badly, badly executed idea, but I like the idea. Um, Jess, what did you think? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think the problem is is that we as a group of viewers just don't care about Bran, Bran. enough. Yeah. Since he became the Three-Eyed Raven. Yeah. I think his lack of character development to the point where he literally is a mute and just says sometimes zingy one-liners, which aren't yeah. even that funny. And then goes into like an ecstasy transfer. Yeah. There's just no real understanding of why he is like that. Yeah. Is he going to continue like that? Um, I think it's disappointing because we we don't. It could have been understand. great. Yeah. It could have been great. Yeah. Um, and then I think all the things that you're saying would have resonated with us much more strongly. And the idea that he's like supposed to be, he's not all the brands throughout history, but there have been so many brand Starks throughout history who've done great things for Westeros. Yeah. So he kind of like as a metaphor. Brandon Stark is a person who stands in for Westeros at any given time. Like mm. I really like that idea. It's just that, as you say, his powers aren't properly explained by the show. A lot of the lore around Bran Stark's history, you know, like the original Bran the Breaker, who is now Bran the Broken, like I like that as well. Mm. Like all of those things that are in the books just aren't in the show. So people and he have just no comes across as like an insolent teenager, to be honest. Yeah. He just is a pain in the ass. He and is. And <laughs> the part where he says, you know, like, oh, why do you think I came all the way down here? And it's like, so... You foresaw all of these atrocities. Yeah. Fuck off. Like, like, yeah. And even that is just only slightly implied. Yeah. Like, they're not even going to delve into that. No, no, no. <laughs> they're, they're, they're like, oh, classic brand. Yeah. Like, but we're like, on. really? Do and you mean like, classic yeah. brand or do you not? And it's like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, I saw King's Landing get sacked. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? All well, this. Well, saw the like, dragon flying over. Yeah, well, that's, that's it. But, like, we don't. We didn't see... But, well, that's it. We don't know what he can and can't see, what yeah, he does and doesn't and, know. And this is the thing. This is all the stuff that the show probably should have done a better job of explaining. And I think Dan, Dan John's partner, um, made a, a really interesting point after we watched the episode for the second time. 
He's like, I don't understand why people don't like Bran. And I think my thing is, is because at this stage, Bran is offering us nothing. He offers us nothing. The The show got so far ahead that they took him out of the show for a season. Yeah. That's true. We didn't get a season of Bran. We season don't get, five, no e- Bran. Even if he gets to fucking sled around snow shit and we just learn about his backstory and learn about his travels with Mira and Hodor and stuff. Yeah. The deeper understanding that we've got there in that journey, even if Benioff and Weiss were just like, we're going to make up some random shit. Like, we're going to, they're going to be chased by a fucking, I don't know, a, a snowman assassin or something like that. Oh, we had a- the Dornish plot in that season. You know what I mean? Like, there was time. Yeah. And I know I've said this before in the podcast a million times, but Daenerys ran around Karth for all of season two Ugh. because Amelia Clark's popular. Do not remind me. Maisie Williams <laughs> and um, uh, Rory Calhoun, that's not his name, Rory McCann, um, is the Hound and uh, Arya are popular. So they got that entire season four mm. arc to mm. run around going to the Vale. The, a whole arc of traveling yeah. for the whole season. And I just think, yes, I understand that the way that the story was constructed in terms of timelines, you'd reached the point you needed to with Bran's story. That's fine. And he wasn't coming back until... Say, for example, Sansa and Theon are jumping off the battles of Winterfell. I get that. But, number one, like, plot it better. Because you know where the story is going. You've known since season three what the ending of the whole show was going to be. Because George R. R. Martin told you. So, there's no excuse for you flicking off Bran when you knew how important he was going to be. And clearly, you can just, as you said, Nick, you can just yeah. make up garbage to fill time with characters. Because you've done it before on multiple occasions. Mm. So... Yeah, you're right. There's no investment in Bran because he's been so absent. But on the other hand, every other alternative as a king yeah. or as a queen, they're all one-dimensional now. They're all yeah. just one-dimensional siphons for motivation. Um, and I think <sighs> Tyrion's reasoning behind giving it to him was also stupid. Like, yeah. oh, he's got the best so story. Cheesy. It's like everyone has a good story here, mate. It yeah. was horrible. There's a reason that we we love this show is because their stories are so fucking good. Like, are you... This is uh, probably speaks more to Tyrion's stupidity over the last however long, however many seasons now. But I feel like I can't be too mad at Bran becoming the king because when I look at the council from a distance, I'm like, I can't see any of you at ruling. At least it's not Sam. I mean, why did I say Sam? Sansa. Is his name Sam? Who, who are you talking about? Sam, like Samuel Tully? Yes. I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I can't no. confuse. Well, he becomes there were so many Lord of the Rings references when yeah. we were watching it. Well, he becomes be a terrible king. He becomes. Yeah, a- I was thinking it was going to be him. Secretly afraid. So. I read an interesting article today saying that like Daenerys and Gollum are the same character. You'd really like it. I'll send it to you. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Send it to me too. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like when I look at the council, I'm just like, well, Arya doesn't make sense. Sansa doesn't want it. Um, why Sansa would you, doesn't want it. Why would you? She doesn't want to be queen of everything. She doesn't want she to yes, be she queen does. of the north. A hundred percent, she does. She no got, way. She got independence in the north, so that's fine enough for me. Um, that was bullshit. I that th- was <laughs> fucking bullshit. Um, oh, her getting, uh, let me finish my council point. Sorry, um, I'm sorry, sorry, but the Sam Sam getting the 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 throne doesn't make sense. Uh, Ed Muir getting up and doing it honestly was kind of funny because it does speak back to the that moment in season three where he's missing the the funeral pyre. But again, doesn't make any sense. Um, Davos doesn't offer anything. Uh, none of the Starks, obviously, besides Bran. Um, random Dawn guy, um, uh, Aaron, uh, Robin Aaron. Okay, but John, Gendry, the rightful heir. Gendry was there. We just passed over well, him. Gendry, yeah, I forgot about Gendry. <laughs> the thing is, this is the thing that bothers me. The show needed to afford John the time 
to defend and address his lineage. Because if they were able to have him go, John, you literally, like, you, this is you. And the thing is, it's because Grey Worm's like, we're going to kill him. And it's like, well, it doesn't fucking matter because you guys are taking off to Narth anyway, so he gives a shit. You're not going to kill him because if you were going to kill him, you've already have done it. I don't know why you imprisoned him instead of killing him in the first place. But since you did imprison him, a lot of people have complained since the show finished it. Like, oh, well, I guess John's lineage meant nothing. And I'm like, no, it didn't. It didn't mean nothing. The whole point is that the end of the Targaryen dynasty represents the end of conquest and dynastical rule. Like, you cannot rule by just conquest anymore. There's just a very feeble movement towards like a more democratic mm. process yeah. and might doesn't necessarily equal right and the targaryens only have the right to rule and reign through conquest which is not any legitimate ethical right at all that's fine i understand that john doesn't have the right as heir because that right is only bought and paid for by other people's blood so say that on screen just tell us like this is the reason why John's Targaryen lineage is no longer legitimate because we are opting, we are cho- we know who he is and we are choosing the Lords of to Westford. enact yeah. a democratic process instead. But they didn't do that. And I was just like, at least acknowledge who he is and then decide to go another way. See, and I think that the problem, the main problem is, is that I don't think John got to plead his case. He, to, to deny, let, let's just say, for example, that they're like, we need a ruler, right? And... People, people there are fully aware of what, of his lineage. So they say, like, let's say, for example, they're going to run with the through line that monarchs will continue to rule. John should at least have that moment where he's like, I don't want it in front of everyone. Yeah. And I, I, I just think that that moment probably would have been more powerful and probably given John and those characters a moment to understand that it really, truly is over because John... Is obviously the the last heir now that Danny's dead that I can think of, right? Yeah, he is. Yeah. But I think the problem with that is that John is a person who has lived by duty his whole life, right? So if he felt like it was his obligation to protect the realm and that was put under the microscope and people were asking him to do it, it would be out of character for him to say no. Just his his wants, his desires, and his life have never impacted on what he goes on to do. He makes his choices in spite of his personal desires. If it was about what he wanted, he wouldn't have killed Daenerys in the first place. Yeah, but maybe they just do the old, like, he killed her and therefore his morals are just shot. Yeah, I don't know. And he would do it anyway. I just feel like Jon should have had a a moment in front of that council. Yeah, but I just think if he did, it would be hard narratively to justify him turning it down because in character, he should put his own wishes to the side. No one wants to be a monarch. Apart from the yeah, people who are all power-hungry. I guess, I don't know. I feel like I can see John just flat out turning it down and being like... like And, and that being the dawn of, of a new age for Westeros. Mm-hmm. Even though technically it still is a new dawn because they uh, they elect someone to rule. I just feel like that moment, that that's whole sequence in the council in the Pit of Dragons probably would have been a little bit better um, having John there rather than cutting to him looking a bit disheveled in a, in, a, in a prison. I think it just comes back to the pacing. It reminds me of when we had that scene where he told um, his siblings about his lineage and then we didn't see them then discuss see it. it. Yeah. That is a conversation that they could have done if they had more time. Yeah. That would have benefited a conversation that could have happened now, exactly as you say, yeah. about his lineage. Yeah. And it would have made it more worthwhile. Yeah, it just doesn't. It doesn't feel like it's been thought out properly. No, it just feels like that they've got those ends, 
and they don't have the connective tissue. And it's just frustrating that those things get glossed over or omitted and then yeah. certain things stay. Yeah. I think that's why it's frustrating to us as fans. Yeah, exactly. Because the weight of moments that are left out seem really, really heavy. Yeah. And then moments that are left in are really small. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. Um, anything yeah. else with the council before we move on to the montage? Yes. Go. Santa. Jess, seriously. <laughs> like, why... I'm going to give you a time limit. On earth. And go. Have, seriously, why on earth does she have the right to just say, oh, by the way, the North secedes? Like, there have been two Greyjoy rebellions in this generation because of fe- not wanting to be beholden to Southern um, lords. Go. Why is Yara like, oh, that's cool. The Dornish never seceded Ever. They only became part of the Seven Kingdoms because they married in. And they were the only kingdom in all of the Seven Kingdoms who didn't surrender to the Targaryens in the Conquest. So why is Sansa the one who's allowed to be like, oh, actually, the North are out because we've suffered too much already and I secretly want to be the Queen. It's not really that much of a secret. Oh, John, what? You have to go to the Wall now? Oh, that means I'm in charge? Oh. And no other like house gives a shit. I'm like, okay, I, I understand her being a power-hungry cow because she is, but... Why does everybody else acquiesce to that? Especially considering that one and a half seconds into his reign, nepotism just strikes Bran and he's like, oh, what, my sister wants out? Yeah, oh, gee. Like, oh, what? So now we have brother and sister, like, running these two realms of Westeros and you can let her secede because she's your sister and no one is going to question that. I am so genuinely enthusiastic and motivated to find out where Sansa's story goes in the books because I really... I really feel like she has just been reduced to this like one dimensional piece of nothing. And the reason that she was permitted that that, uh, secession narratively, stop looking at your watch, Nick. And uh, the reason that um, we got that montage of her at the end was because the creators and the writers were so terrified about killing two inverted commas, like strong women in the same episode two lead females in Cersei and Daenerys, that they had to push that uh, McQueen, McQueen, like trope onto someone because they were so terrified of being perceived as anti-feminist if they didn't give a woman some power. And I was just like, mm, mm, that is not accurate. Also, it undermines all of the Northern Lords being like, King in the North, King in the North for Rob and then for John to then be like, oh, Queen in the North. It's like, okay, so literally you have no brain cells and you'll just yell that for anyone. Like... It just made me so annoyed that she, not not that she became Queen in the North because it was hardly surprising, but that she just got to say, oh, oh by the way, like, FYI, we're, we're, yeah. we're out of the Seven Kingdoms. And everyone was like, oh, no probs. Well, it's, it's like they all knew that the episode was wrapping up in 20 minutes, so they didn't have time to counter what she was saying. It was ridiculous. That's just the way it's written, though. Yeah, that, badly. <laughs> I think Sansa's end... Getting successfully getting the independence for the North, um, I'm okay with that. But why? But this, why her? The, the, the thing is, I mean, not not why her. Why the North? Why not everybody else? Well, I think when I when this mm-hmm. is a thing that should have been explored deeply by the show because if she could fully understand, for me, I don't understand what her motivation is to get the independence for the North, other than like we've suffered under the the foot of a kingdom for so long. You don't understand that she just wanted to be in charge because that's who she is. The, the, this is the thing. I think that the show needed to give her more time 
to explore the complexities of like why independence for the North is so important. Sure. Because I don't, I do not understand. As a viewer, I do not understand why it's so important. Because like, your brother's in charge now. So like, mm-hmm. fuck it. Like, why? Why is your independence so? You don't want to be beholden to like any more Southern lords or go to any more Southern wars ever again. Okay. Ned Stark's son is not a Southern lord. At all. And again, you talk about the the North being independent for thousands of years as if what? There were always six kingdoms and the North? No. Like, everybody was independent for thousands of years. Just, to me, it just feels, it screams to me, I think like you said, Jess, like that's that's how it's written. And I think that payoff probably would have been more powerful had we, as the viewers, fully understood why she was asking for the independence for, for her country. And... I don't understand that. So for for me, her getting that independence, that's fine. I'm not invested in that because I don't understand, and I and at this stage, the show hasn't done any legwork to make me understand and to show me Sansa's exploration of her of the people that she wants to rule, which is this apparent. Here's a thing: the reason that she wants the North to be independent is because they refuse to kneel anymore, right? They're not going to kneel. They're not going to bend the knee, any of that shit. But they're... Yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. But they can all fucking bend the knee to her. Like, she's a piece of work. <laughs> Your head is so strong. <laughs> Honestly, I I would love... If we were at all mega popular, I would love to have you sit on a panel just by yourself. And then the only things that you address were questions about sense yeah, people write in questions. That would be good. Yeah. We should do that just to see. question. Yeah, yeah. I am not. I am not anti Sansa. I'm it, not saying you are, but it, it kind of sounds like it. But. I'm happy to see. <laughs> I, I genuinely want to see where she goes in the books. If she becomes Queen of the North, how on earth does that happen? I just think she's. I I actually feel sorry for how her character has been reduced to fan service. I genuinely yeah, do. I think true. Like when I think back, the times I felt most engaged with her was at season six. All that shit that she went through with Ramsay you leading mean, up to the Battle of the Bastards. Is that season six? Yeah, season? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was when I was like, Sansa, I'm with you. Yeah. And then after that, you're right. She has one mission. That's it. Yeah. And she I- says the same speech in different ways. She has the same stony the same expression looks. for no yeah. reason. Like- Which isn't her fault. It's the, kind of the same as Bran. Like, he gives us nothing. Oh. And it makes me annoyed at him, yeah. which is shit because you don't want to be annoyed at a character that you've invested in for ages. Exactly. That's you it. want to talk about how um, Daenerys was so chilling when she looked at Viserys dying? That's your word, Dan Benioff or David Weiss or whichever one you are. Um, how about how chilling it was when Ramsay had uh, when Sansa had Ramsay killed by his own hounds? That not chilling? That like just cold dead face that she had. I like that part. <laughs> I'm just saying it's, it's the same. That is good though. <laughs> like. It is the same, but in that moment, that was justified. Like that was a payoff mm-hmm. for Viser- something that was really powerful. Same with Viserys. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if Daenerys was always going to become a power-hungry, mad, despotic tyrant, so was Sansa, which she is. <laughs> I gave you seven minutes. Wow, generous, very generous. Very, that's actually very generous. Uh, so yeah, that's the. Uh, but Piet, last thing on yeah, Sansa, her, do, her without costume, John, without John, her costume um, was. Oh my sick. god! Yeah, I know. Yeah, she has owned it in costumes. Yeah, like she all the close-ups in that montage, I was frothing. There was so yeah, many yeah, good ones. Yeah, it was good. Um, oh, and <laughs> one more thing. You have one minute. I, I don't even need a whole minute. I just want to say 
She's fucking Catelyn Stark's daughter. That's the worst part of all. Like, ugh. Just look forward, John. Don't. We can't look forward to shows. Like, <laughs> oh, we have prequels. Uh, oh, you have to go, what? North to go south, west to go east, whatever it is. East like Eros. West Eros. We have to go <laughs> back yeah. to go forward. North to Ross. <laughs> um, all right, you've had your minute. Um, all right, we're going to move on uh, to Aya. Yes. Who doesn't, doesn't really get a lot this episode other than... But I'm okay with that. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I think it's fine because I think... Because her- she had a shit on the last <laughs> yeah. few episodes. Um, but for me, her end, um, I- I'm good with it. I think it's it was I nice. It. Her moment with John is really beautiful because Maisie Williams acts the living shit out of it. Um, but for me, my, my takeaway from Aya as a character is that she's gone to basically become an unstoppable force. And when she says she's like, she wants to charter what, like they don't know what's west or um, and what's unmapped. To me, that makes sense to her character. I, I, people are like, oh, I heard that she's turned into a fucking pirate. And you're like, well, what else is she going to do? Wander around trying to look for Nymeria? And it mirrored like the, the end of season four <laughs> when she... Um, I was just about to say that when she got on the boat to go to the house of black and white. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And you think about everything that happened in between. She grew. That's she it. She grew. Yeah. It's, it, it, and for me, it, like it, it rings true to her character, who, which is now like after we've seen like she's killed the Night King and she was so close to potentially killing mm. Cersei and even perhaps, probably not, but killing Danny as well. She's such an unstoppable force that for me, her end, um, the show has done a very good job by her, in my opinion. I agree. I think this season and last season, she's got that really interesting balance of someone who's really ruthless yeah. and sometimes quite I think intimidating or scary yeah. in a young female character. Yeah. But then she's not one dimensional in the sense that she's only an assassin or she's only a killer yeah. who's been just turned that way by all of her suffering and experiences. Yeah. She has these moments where she's really afraid, where she's really moments of humanity, which yeah. we think that she might have lost Becoming the person that she is. Which I didn't expect from her. I was saying this to John the other day and a few other people. Those two big moments that she had in episode three when she was in the library with all the whites. And then last week when she had a long continuous shot running everywhere. Both those moments just pulled me back into those episodes. I was kind of dawdling a bit thinking, oh, yeah, I'm into this, but like not really. And she both times... Her performance made me pay attention. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think she's been amazing. Yeah, and she's very unconventional. Like mm. you know, a, an assassin is usually like you know a femme fatale type, or absolutely. a warrior is usually like a Brienne of Tarth type. Um, but she's also like a vulnerable, you know, woman child. Like yeah. there's a lot yeah. of yeah. different yeah. facets of her, and she's quite an unconventional looking actress as well. And she has just made Arya so multifaceted, but so plausible in every aspect of her personality and you've really seen that regrowth and rebirth of Arya Stark from Mm -hmm. the faceless assassin as a result of someone who was traumatized and I just think she's probably had the most cyclical journey and to be honest I would actually have been really happy I'm not saying I'm unhappy with her end I thought it was quite satisfying Mm. but if she died in the last episode of the fifth episode I think that would have been really genuinely huge. incredible and moving yeah, yeah that would have been absolutely huge. i think if absolutely. she died like that would have been phenomenal um and i would have really brave of that. them actually yeah. to do that yeah you know yeah. if like if even if she killed cersei wearing jamie's face and the two of them got crushed under the rubble together or you know she is oh, executed by daenerys and that mm. is what like tips john over the edge mm. you know um i think 
it would have been very cool actually if she if she'd been killed after saving the world by killing the night king but yeah but i did like her end it was good it was yeah it was fine it was it was it was really nice and again i think Maisie williams and and kit harrington's chemistry is what sells their relationship even though like the interactions have been so minimal over the it course is of the weird series. that he has such good chemistry with her such good chemistry mm. with um rose leslie yeah and such terrible chemistry with amelia clark, amelia clark who is such a good actress like yeah. it's very strange that they have no chemistry at all yeah I, I don't I don't get it because it, like when you see Aya and John reunite you're like oh my I god it's love so sweet that moment. and then it yeah. just it, it's it literally takes like a second and you you're automatically pulled in yeah. immediately with yeah whereas with John and Danny you're just like it's oh yeah okay the fuck but yeah I think Aya's end is 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 really beautiful and it also is quite open I, I mean the HBO actually confirmed today that they're not doing anything yeah, to do with that. her <laughs> moving forward. That's because people are pumped. I think that speaks to the power of her character too. We never, well, not never, but we're not here picking apart no, her journey. It's really hard to because I don't think you can. You're satisfied with what she's done, yeah. which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and I think our last one was, uh, or actually, actually, it's not, but yeah, uh, John uh, being exiled to the wall for as punishment. For we should talk about Danny. the ending first because it's very Return of the King vibes. Yeah. As in the fourth false ending of Return <laughs> of the King. Or third false yeah, ending, so I should say. Just, like dark fades. You know, fade to black. There the was a lot of blacks. fade to black, which they never do. No, it's like it's like watching Star Wars and mm. realizing that the transitions are all wipes, and you're like, "This is the only Star movie wipe? series." They're Star Wipes. <laughs> Checkerboard. Yeah. yeah, the checkerboards. Yeah, they're all just like Windows Movie Maker. Yeah. <laughs> but there are so many fake endings. Like you know, honestly, for a split second, there were I like thought, five. I thought, well, actually, for a split second, I actually thought that like it was Danny, over, yeah. Danny being taken away by Drogon was, was the, the end, end because it holds on black for like yeah. a second too long and I'm just like whoa what the really is this really fucking happening I did really like that moment when they were on the dock A because of the score yeah I think it helped make it seem less pieced together yeah because it was a lot of edited shots yeah string together um and I think if you look at it from John's perspective it is moving Mm. But I think if you focus too much on their in, Bran and Arya and Sansa's individual goodbyes to him, it's a little cloying. Yeah, um, that's just for me personally. Yeah, how do you feel about it, John? Um, Don't get too into Sansa. Maybe just leave her goodbye out of it and talk about John. <laughs> no, I just think you know, like saying what's west of Westeros. I don't know when you're like right next to someone who literally knows and can see everything. Yeah, but Bran yeah. is not going to work into a sea bird and just yeah. save her some trouble like um yeah no like it was it was nice i just i just don't really like that the the fact that the whole thing closed out on the stark family as if they're the only thing that have ever mattered um but at least that wasn't the end end i did like that it ended in the forest beyond the wall yeah so that part as well you know john's eventual end i think it's nice i think it's fine i think kit harrington did a really good job when he's on horseback at the end of just like looking you know bitter and frustrated but also having like a little smile like he sort of might not okay have had the life he wants yeah. and he's got the people talk about you know him getting it's, it's funny I read a few things some people say he got exactly what he wanted he just wanted to be a ranger his whole life and other people say he got shit on by everyone and has been through more than anyone else hmm. and I just which line do you agree with more? Um, probably that he got shit on yeah um, he literally died yeah. <laughs> and did one not want to come back? Yeah, and the, you know, again, there's another huge narrative plot hole in that. Like, why is he even there? Like, the, the Unsullied and Dothraki left. 
like you could yeah. just the moment that they get fifteen minutes down the horizon, you can just walk around. A hundred percent. Like I didn't really understand that, but I thought again, take logic out of it and just put yeah. like a thematic. If you take version. what it what we were given, yeah, I just like look at it in terms of our communication and expression of theme and not cohesive character sense. Um, I thought it was it was interesting as an end. It was the end that you called for him, which I didn't think it was going to happen. Again, I think I would have preferred yeah, if I he... I thought he was going to die. I would have preferred if he died. That's what I was yeah. going to say because I think... Yeah, same. A lot of people said one mm-hmm. of the things that, you know, didn't matter was Azor High. Like, oh, that prophecy, I guess, just didn't mean anything. And I'm like, yes, it did. Like, he was Azor High and he was brought back to kill her because he literally had to stab his beloved through the chest just like Azor High. Yeah. And so... He'd served his purpose then. He'd served his purpose to the world. And I guess on the one hand, yes, it would have been good if he'd then died. But on the other hand, maybe it's good that he's not. Because it's like... Did you ever watch Buffy, Nick? No. Okay. And I know you didn't Jace, either, Jess. But no. like, there's a character um, in it. Uh, sorry? <laughs> it's a spoiler, spoiler alert for Buffy fans. Do I need to spoiler alert this for Buffy fans? Um, it's it's, like it's, it's an old show. Buffy it's an old show. Yeah, like literally 20 years old. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, there's a character in it called Dawn who is Buffy's sister, but she's not really her sister. She's a mystical key who's been sent to the to Earth um, for, for Buffy to like look after in safekeeping. But all her and her friends and family have been implanted with false memories. So they think that she's her sister. Huh. Um, and then it turns out that, you know, she's not. And then Buffy ends up dying in her place and she gets to live. And so she lives on and you get to see her trying to live in a world as a person knowing that she was actually just a mystical thing and how do you continue on once your destiny has been fulfilled once you've moved past the point of the supernatural how do you acknowledge you're not that special and then just live in the world yeah so maybe not having him die um you know, immediately like fulfill your life's purpose, your destiny or whatever on this earth and then keel over and die. Maybe it's better that we have to see him try and forge a life for himself as a person. After, yeah. Um, but I would have equally have liked it if he died. And I don't really care for Jon Snow, to be honest. Like, yeah. I've never found him a very interesting character. So whatever his end is, I'm not really that invested. But I was happy it was sort of resolved, but still unpredictable, somewhat satisfactory without being too cliche. So... I thought it was a pretty good end, to be honest. Yeah, I, I was good with it, you know, and like, you know, the fandom got what they wanted with him seeing Ghost again, which honestly I, I thought was was very, very sweet. But again, yeah. I'm not really as connected to this whole massive rift that it caused. Obviously, a few episodes ago when he bailed on Ghost. People were like, <laughs> I think Why some people just love dogs. Dog? <laughs> well, no, I love the dog, but it's just like... <laughs> People are not like people are looking at it, it like it's just like he didn't pat the fucking. Everyone's dog, a baby, but, Nick. Just don't worry but, about it. Like people are just. I think people names. are just. It is frustrating me this se- this season in particular that everyone is just. They always go straight to this is what they didn't do. Yeah. This is what they didn't. That's do. true. That is I was true. like, you didn't write Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like it's so easy for you to sit there and say they missed A to Z. Yeah. Of course they did. Well, I, I think they it's have just, fifty minutes. I, I think it's just Benioff and Weiss's dramatic justifications for certain choices which sure me. which is more obvious in this episode in particular because mm. you can tell that they wrote it yeah yeah well yeah well they wrote the last oh, did they i thought three it was only, oh no they directed the last yeah, one so. they directed the last one they wrote, like, wrote the last three apologies but, one thing that i did really like about the starks ending mm. um i just remembered this now is that do you remember that prophecy in the books that daenerys gets where she gets told um to go west you have to go east to go uh, north, you have to go south. And to go to the light, you have to walk through the shadows. 
Um, she gets that from kind of Keith vaguely. in the second book. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and so I read this really interesting thing the other day that said that that prophecy that she receives in the books was never for her. It's for the Starks. So to go south, you have to go north. Sorry, to go north, you have to go south. That's our. Uh, that, oh my God, John. That's Sansa. To go north, you have to go south. So she goes to King's Landing and then comes back to become queen of um, the north. To go uh, west, you have to go east. That's Arya. She goes across to the house Black and White yeah. and now she's going west of Westeros. Yeah. And to go through um, the... Uh, to get to the light, you have to go through the shadow. That's either John through either his death or the shadow of having to kill the woman that he loves to get to the light of the other side of a peaceful realm or it's bran going through you know getting pushed out the window yeah. to end up with the light of being the king so i was like well that's pretty cool if you take all those prophecies for daenerys and like apply them elsewhere to the starks i just really thought that was very like poetic and resolved and again mm. brings you back to this whole theme of you know everybody's human no one is that different we all have great awfulness within us as possible we all have um great greatness within us as possible mm. and there are a lot of parallels between Cersei and Daenerys and Sansa and it's the ending of the story and the way that it the memory is recorded and written that determines who was the villain not what actually happened yeah um and I think that's what something that Benioff and Weiss have failed to understand you know they were talking about oh what happens when John's looking around in the bells and thinking oh my god like we're the bad guys now and I'm like no like that's not the point. There is no bad guys and good guys. Like George R. R. Martin says, everyone is the hero in their own story. Yeah. And so... And I actually think in that moment, he's not thinking collectively. I took that as he's thinking only about her. Oh, yeah. Okay. He's thinking like the woman that I love has... Has done this. Has done this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that is repulsive to him. I think that's that's what I took away but from But I it. think it's accidentally being portrayed as good versus evil. Which is a problem. Yeah, it is a problem. Because I think, you know, the the whole point is that if, if Daenerys' prophecies end up applying to the Starks, we're all just humans doing our best. And that's the point of war is that everybody believes they're fighting on the side of right. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything else? I liked the shot when John looked back under the gate at the end. Mm. I thought that was cool. Yeah. And it was like Poignant. the first episode, like the very, very first episode. Yeah. 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 When Benjamin goes out. I I found that touching. Even like though that. we probably shit on it a lot, I quite liked it as an ending to all of Game of Thrones. Me too. I, yeah. The I lead said, up to it was crap, but the ending was good. Yeah. I said to John as soon as we watched it, I was like, I feel actually satisfied and I'm surprised. By the episode as a whole? Yeah. Mm. Like I went in there thinking, I want death, I want destruction, I want everybody to die, I want no one on the throne, I want everything in total chaos. Yeah. And I got to the end. And I thought, oh, I'm cool. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm cool with this. Like, I've there's things that I didn't like about it, but the thing is, just like as I'm not hungry for it to be insanely different. Yeah, I, I feel like when I look at the episode as a whole, they definitely resolved everything, and that's good. That's yes. fine. We we were pretty concerned that they were just going to leave a lot of loose ends, and for the most part, a lot of the arcs that needed to be completed were completed and for the most part I'm the, I found the episode satisfying but incredibly lacking in any th- anything to do and I think that's probably mm. because perhaps subconsciously I've started to detach myself from the show yeah just because it's downward spiral has been so 
quick. A and our hype is just so high. It is. It almost, oh, it is. like, Game of Thrones is its own worst enemy. It, and, the, and, I mean, the show has all of these problems that any other show would dream to have. Mm-hmm. A fandom that cares so deeply about the material. Mm-hmm. Uh, communities and, and podcasts and, and, and articles and stuff like that. It's, these are all problems that the show, that any other show on yeah. networks, uh, private, whatever networks or whatever, dreams I, I guarantee you all showrunners are like... But that's man, all the more really reason wish. that they should have respected it more. Like, mm. the reason that we're not invested in this final episode, even though it was actually quite good, is because it was oversimplified, it was rushed, yep. and nothing that happened in it that should have been moving had been built up or led up to enough in previous episodes to be earned. You do not have 71 episodes of a saviour to have a single episode of burning everything down for no reason, to have another single episode of your Hitler now die. Like, it, yeah. that's, it's too much. Yeah. Sorry, no. Like, I don't... And and it undermined the beauty and the uh, emotional impact of the final episode because it came out of nowhere. And it could have been actually really powerful. And Imagine have been. if you saw her fall apart over four episodes. Yeah. yeah. That could have been amazing. Yeah. I'm like if she put the same time and effort, not she's in Amelia Clark, Danny, into just deteriorating. Yeah. In our eyes, I guess, into that really militant kind of ruler, that would have been almost horrifying. I think for us to watch. Yeah. Because you know it's coming. That's the problem. We know it's coming, and then it's so short, and then it's over. Yeah. If you know it's coming, and it's not drawn out, but it's comprehensive yeah. then you feel sated you're like yes and this I think, is cool and the thing is it's like if you know something's coming if the show or whatever it is not just Game of Thrones but just in general if you know what's coming but they execute it in a way that emotionally resonates with you it's still a successful moment exactly. it doesn't have to surprise yeah. you that's right no. yeah, subverting expectations Absolutely. doesn't have to mean shocking for its own sake like that's what I was talking about before with cause and effect you know the, the things that were shocking like Ned's death or the Red Wedding were subverting expectations because they were telling you anyone could die, but anyone could die as a result of the story, you know, as a result of the character choices yeah. in the story and what's happening, yeah. not just because. Um, and I, yeah, I think it is, it's unfortunate the way that it was handled. And I also think Cersei was really, um, yeah, yeah they did such bad by a her. shame. They did real bad by her. Like, again, just to come back to the Buffy analogy, um, it, there's one season where the big bad, the big villain of the, the season as a god and so the next year instead of trying to top that the creators went like right to the other extreme and there's just like a trio of just geek boys who are just harassing Buffy but obviously that's not big enough to be like a big bad at the end of the year so her best friend embraces her dark side becomes like a lethal mega like superhero witch and just goes off the scale because her girlfriend gets killed and um at the end of the season, it's just like a sudden heel turn that like this new big boss, this big bad comes out of nowhere because the big bad that's been led up all season wasn't big enough to carry the climactic arc of the season. And yeah. that's where I f- what I feel like has happened with Daenerys. But in that analogy, then Cersei has become the geek boys. Like they've just created this villain that they, they, they've treated like she wasn't big enough to be the big main villain. So they've just like supplanted her in for another one at the last minute and it's like you really did Cersei a disservice because she was very acutely atrocious for years and she suddenly just turned into like an ignorant nothing to serve Daenerys being able to supplant her and I did not like that Cersei as a character deserved better than that even if she went down 
she would have gone down swinging she would have gone down fighting she would have gone down with some kind of battle plan that failed she wouldn't yeah. have gone down with literally nothing like pregnant for no reason like yeah. sobbing and shaking and crying like it was just it was not cersei lannister no, it's not that they, they, they did her dirty i didn't like that at all yeah. and yeah. even if you go for you know she breaks finally because she's afraid to die don't do it in private where only Jamie can see. Yeah. Like, that's what was powerful, I think, about when she did her walk of shame. Even though she was boss in that moment, you could tell she was shitting herself. And the yeah. fact that you could see her doing that in public is what made it even more great for us as a viewer. Yeah. She was Because she was genuinely vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. if like, she's vulnerable in a, in a visible way, in a public way, in her at a point of death, that would have been satisfying for me. For yeah. sure. And even if we didn't like how things went with Daenerys, like at least Amelia Clark was given a chance to see her character out. Lena he didn't even get that chance. The no. script didn't which give her a chance she absolutely deserved to see it. Cersei through, which yeah, I she, mean I think that was shit. Yeah, I mean props to Lena Heedy for getting that paycheck though. Oh. I hope she got if she gets half a mil per episode, I really hope she got it just for being the corpse. Half mil. <laughs> that how how's that for fucking quick money? Jesus. Probably eight hours of makeup, maybe. Who yeah. knows? <laughs> yeah. That would take me like eight or nine years to earn that on my current salary for being a corpse for <laughs> half an hour. But yeah, yeah. With the eight hours of uh, polystyrene that you, they put over you. Oh, yeah. And they all come back and say, oh, you know, it's so disrespectful that all of these fan um, uh, petitions are out to remake it because they just don't understand the work that goes into it. We did 50 night shoots in a row and I'm like, mm, you got well compensated for that. And like everybody works hard and has jobs. So... Maybe like I don't know, I d- but also I they they have to defend the writing because they that's do. what they're given. They probably also think this is not how I wanted my character to end. Yeah, yeah I guess I not think- that they're bound any more necessarily to defend it, but True. you invested ten years of your life playing that character. Yeah, and it wouldn't feel good for you to say, yeah, I also thought it was shit. Yeah, <laughs> I think that once the dust settles, I think some of the actors might come out and be like, I am like. We were saying, I think last week or the week before, of of Pilu, whatever his fucking last name is, Asbeck, maybe something. Yeah, like that. he's been quite. Oh, active. Euron. Mm-hmm. He, the he, the actor for Euron has been quite active on Instagram, defending like the show, but also going. It would be nice if Euron was not a Johnny Depp, but more of the. Uh, crazy pirate sorcerer but they're not but they're not going so far as to call for a remake and no, I think that's where I think they're that, being professionals yeah. whereas the fans are just thinking we yeah. deserve everything <laughs> I think petitions asking for them to redo this season is absurd to be well clear. they know it's not going to happen like yeah. that's not the point it's the point stupid. is just to express their discontent yeah. it's I think almost people offensive. are greedy though it is almost offensive yeah. like think about like you said all the seasons that we've watched this is one well not one episode the whole season as a whole is generally disappointing, but I think that's because it's the final yeah. season. Still yeah. better than season seven, I'm gonna say. Yeah, yeah, I actually probably I would like agree with season that. Six season quite seven a lot. doesn't have much memorable other than Littlefinger dying. So sorry, Jess. No, he's my ultimate bay, but his death is the best. Oh no, that scene is one of my favorite scenes. But <laughs> I've watched it about ten times. <laughs> In fact, I'm gonna watch it now. <laughs> I probably will. <laughs> I love no, it so much. He's no Marjorie. Ah, oh, but when he like. Cries and says her name right before he dies. Ah, <laughs> gets me. Yeah, but what about like? It's such a great death. Yeah, but what about, so forget about your bloody gods and then for he a just minute. Crumbles. Forget about your bloody gods for a minute and listen to me. No, John. Cersei isn't here. Okay, before we wrap up, before I'm, we get into that, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you one moment, your favorite moment in Game of Thrones in the show only. 
The entire show? You know, yeah. The one moment that oh, you love the most. Way too hard. You know yours already? Yeah. That's because you thought of the question. Yeah. I'm just going to say the first one that just like popped into my yeah. brain. Um, so if I thought about it harder, I might think of something else. But when you said that, this is the first thing I thought of. Joffrey dying. Jo- okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I, I, like, because Natalie Dormer's there. The pie. Like, D- Diana Riggs there. The Tyrells ended up being the ones who did it. Lena Headey's acting in that is phenomenal. It's, uh, yeah, it's amazing. Like that, the, uh, Jack Gleason is great in that. Like, yeah, he's so good. Yeah, they're all amazing. And even Sophie Turner's good in that scene. Um, she is. Ooh. She is. Ooh. Hot take from John. <laughs> so, like, yeah, like you heard that, it here first. Yeah, that, and I think George R. R. Martin actually wrote that episode. Yeah, I was going to say that was. So, I think yeah, it's no, the last I, episode. Yeah, he wrote. I love that. Joffrey's yeah. death, probably. Yeah, my fave. Yeah, Jess. Yeah, I think it is the moment we just talked about it. I think it is when Littlefinger Littlefinger? Was that... Well, because I don't think I was there watching the episode with you when he no, was killed. No, you weren't here. What was your reaction? I was just mesmerized. Yeah. I just thought... Because you knew that he was he was done. I had a feeling, but it was one of those weird feelings where I thought he was going to die and then they tricked me into thinking he wasn't and then it just falls upon you. Yeah. Um, But I just thought it was an amazing performance. But the moment actually I thought of just before that was when... Uh, Bran says to him, "Chaos is a ladder." Says so that to Jamie? No, he says it to Littlefinger. Little oh yeah, right. Okay. And he's like, "What the?" Fuck? And Littlefinger's like, <laughs> "Oh shit." I fuck. think I, I like little moments like that where yeah. all the characters are just interconnected and it's just so subtle. But if you're yeah. a fan of the show, yeah, it, it's, it's a huge pa- flex yeah. from Bran where he's I love just like, it. "Chaos is a ladder," and then Littlefinger's like, "Oh fuck." And now that I've said two, I should just say three because. Just to round it up. I love... <laughs> Do it. My other favourite moment where I thought, no other show on TV has anything like this, is when John is in the middle of Battle of the Bastards and he takes his sword out. Yeah. And the horses are just like pelting down. Yeah. That is epic shit. That yeah. is I think that so, the- so good. Yeah. We had the the, um, that the is long amazing. night and the bells in this season. Oh, I think Battle of the Bastards is still the best they've done. I've never seen a battle like that in cinema. Really. It was incredible. Well, not even in... It's like Return of the King. Yeah, two but it's really gritty. I think the way just two, two when they towers had that is gritty as fuck. Helms yeah, Deep but they had the mound of all the bodies and suffocating under the bodies, and because it was really point of view for John, I yeah. just think. Yeah, I will agree. I that felt claustrophobic there, watching it. There I felt is really nothing else like that scene or that battle on television ever. And just because you know it's stunt work, like you know he stood there and those horses We're getting, ran him. Yeah, down. yeah. Yeah. I just think it's amazing. Yeah. Well, if you got three, then I get another one you get too. Another, yes, you do. Yeah, so yeah. my and other one is um, when Bronn flirts with one of the sand snakes in the prison, <laughs> like in, in the water gardens. I don't remember what. Yeah, happens. I remember. Yeah, that was my favorite scene in what the whole happened? show. What <laughs> happened? Fucking. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's not PG. No, it's just an <laughs> ultimate troll. Um, uh. All right, Nick, what's yours? <laughs> um, if I had three moments to pick. No, you get one. The, oh, well, one, honestly, the, my first one is just the bombing of the Sept of Baylor. Really? Yeah. That I is not a big moment for me. Contentious. It is not that, a big moment for me. <laughs> well, considering it's like the best episode the series ever does. And I'm sorry, John. I no, know Battle of Bastards. Is as far as that episode goes, I actually think the the moment when Tommen kills himself is oh, better it's than the fucking Sept of My stomach drops when he falls that out is the window. Amazing. Yeah. Um, Oh, thinking about that, it. Now, I, I, I would say that episode as a whole would probably be one. I know it's cheating, but that whole episode. That's okay. That's it what came cheating. to your mind. Yeah. Um, I can honestly just, I always think about that episode and just how it is composed, put together, beautiful score, 
amazing moments. I honestly did not... Maybe it's because I wasn't thinking or looking at it properly. I did not pick that to happen at all. That was, to me, quite shocking. I know that they were talking about the wildfire stocks and stuff, but... But they never see it explicitly. No, And because the whole episode is very low on dialogue, you're just kind of lulled into this. And the the episode opens on it. It's the first 10 minutes. You get that in the first 10 minutes of the episode. And you're led to believe for the whole season that Marjorie's got a plan. So you think it's going to go somewhere and then it just doesn't. Cuts her off, yeah. Yeah, and you're like, okay. And I'm not not just like getting into the Marjorie thing, but it's just like... (laughs) I like that they set something up that wasn't paid off because something else happened. Yeah. You know, and I think that sort of intricate plotting is cool because you can have the best laid plans in the world. exactly, And the audience might not even ever get insight into what they are, but you get fucked off. Which is similar yeah. to the Red Wedding. I think why that's why those big moments work because we rely on some stupid rule that you don't kill someone who shares bread with you or whatever the yeah. hospitality code that they had at their wedding. Yeah. Um, and you just, in your mind, believe that that's going to hold all of this together. Yeah. And just like you say, you believe that Marjorie has a plan. Yeah. Yeah. And you ex- and the show's set it up. So and it's so feeble. If you, you think about it, up? that belief is so feeble. Yeah. <laughs> I think the two other big moments, probably like, I'm probably just saying episodes, but um, Baylor, seeing Ned actually get executed for me, not, not knowing mm. the history of the books was, that was where I was like, oh my God, this is unlike anything I've seen on television. The show mm-hmm. is, isn't is afraid to, to, to take these steps. And I, I wasn't aware that it happened in the books until someone was like, yeah, it happened in the books. Even see, after- I'd already read the book, so that is not as big a moment. Yeah, no, I can see why. Like, it's also the same thing with, like, the Reigns of Casimir when people are like, oh, like, we're waiting for it, waiting yeah. for it. But, yeah. But I think the fact that it was Sean Bean for book people still made it really powerful. Yeah. He, his performance was amazing. It is. And I mean, that whole moment leading up to that when Joffrey's just like exiling him and then he's like, you know what? No, Baylor, bring me his head. Right. And, and after- Cersei there is just like, it is because it's such a, like, <laughs> yep. it's a political disaster that he does yeah. that. And even after Varys is with him in the dungeons, you think just based on normal story tropes, like it doesn't matter if he goes to the wall or what he does, he's going to get out somehow. Yeah. You know what There'll I mean? Be like an escape. Somewhere. Yeah. Like, of course... Like, like the idea that he's going to die is not, it's not like, oh, he might, but he won't. It's it's just not contemplatable. It's like, yeah, it's never going to happen. And then it does. Yeah. And I already know that you're going to talk about Hard Home. No. Really? You love that episode. Uh, I was going to. It and then, was epic oh. though. Like we had never seen them just okay. emerge like that before. <sighs> well, you've got me on Hard Home. <laughs> so really quickly, Hard Home establishes so much in terms of just the the greater universe of the show, I think, but also is yeah. such a magnificent set of 25-minute action set pieces that I still regard as the best the show's ever done. But I was thinking about this today, and I know Hard Home is too, was too obvious of an answer when I asked the question, and that's why I was like, I don't, I don't want to say Hard Home because that is just too me. So the other thing I wanted to say was... <laughs> well, I said Little Finger, so you're yeah. allowed to. <laughs> um, my other one would be The Mountain and the Viper. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Because the I show builds Oberyn up so well. And I, I miss Oberyn Martell so much. But it builds up. And even after it's all said and done, and we've seen with the Red Wedding, and we've seen Ned get killed, and we've seen Joffrey get killed, you still think for a moment yep. that Oberyn is going to succeed. And then... His passion and his heart gets in the way. Arrogance, and arrogance. And his arrogance <laughs> kills him. And for me, I rewatched that episode 
um, earlier in the week. And just that fight scene is beautifully choreographed, but it is, it is so beautiful. beautifully acted by Pedro Pascal. I'm just like, I cannot believe that I still fall they for this to, shit. Yeah. I still fall for this shit. And I think it's a it's, it's one of the best episodes the the series has ever. I had. read the book and I knew exactly what was going to happen. I remember we all were watching that episode together in your old house. And yeah, I the same as you. In my mind, I was like, I know he dies. Yeah, but then the next second, I was like, oh, with everybody else in the room, it's that powerful yeah, that really I just is. forgot that I knew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is um is Tyrion's trial speech in that episode? No, Tyrion's trial speech uh, is uh, in the Laws of Gods and Men, which I think is episode six. Because that was also one of the best. It is monologues the show's ever done. Yeah, that, that was phenomenal. I was that was one of the episodes I wanted to rewatch as well because I remember reviewing that one really positively because I was sort of going through my head like ranking the episodes in my head mm. and I was like, up there, season four has probably the most highlight episodes in terms of strength of the show, where it's like Joffrey's death, Tyrion's trial, the Mountain and the Viper. Um, what happens at the end of season four? I, I think that's remember. where it really turned. I think that's where Game of Thrones started to become. The end of season massive. four is where Arya's like sailing off into, oh, into yeah, a going lot into more east, complex yeah. in terms of the relationships and the rivalries and yeah. And then, like you said, there's hard home after that. So we didn't even have yeah, and hard that home, whole issue was not even part of Game of yeah. Thrones really. And I think what makes hard home so special is that it actually feels like it's out of nowhere. Yeah, I never expected that. I don't think anyone did. I know that obviously there's. In the books, there's the implication that there's something happening at Hardhome, as far as I'm aware. I can't remember. Yeah, I think it is just implied. But I can't remember either. that episode as a whole is something that I could easily rewatch because it just establishes so many different rules of the universe, but shows, it, it reminds us how powerful this threat of the Night King is without context of what happens to the Night King <laughs> at the Battle for Winterfell. But it is still quite powerful. Um, and so beautifully choreographed and also is an, a remarkable display of, of Jon Snow and his potential for leadership, yeah. I think, as well. So, yeah. Those are my picks. Mountain and the Viper was a fun pick. Oh, I, I did, I did so steal many. it, but there's, there, there's a lot. There is so many and it's really upsetting to let it go because I don't want to let it go um, yeah. because we've invested so much time watching this from day one reading the books and, and going through the throes of emotions and going to watch parties and, and reviewing the show and then arguing with people about the show and being a part of a fandom that I don't think I thought, I don't think I ever realized that I would be so deeply entrenched in it. That's true. I don't think I've ever watched something that Harry Potter is the only other thing that I can think of that we, you know, you see someone on a bus, you see someone at work, you can talk to them about yeah. it at a level where, Almost the level that we're talking about it. Yeah. It's not a superficial yeah. interest. No. And it's something people that people... People are deeply invested. Yeah. And it's so... Um, I know I'm quite upset with season eight as a whole, but I can't help but just feel that the fact that I've been able to unite with the people that I love so much and the characters that I love so much so frequently... Oh, there's, absolutely! Yeah, it's given, it's nothing given us else like a, a, it. absolute like commonality and unity and shared purpose. And I'm ready, all like to go back to Westeros. Like, I want to take so a little I. bit of breathing room, um, try and put the cast out of my head, and then just like read the books from start to finish, yeah. just in time for the Winds of Winter coming out. Because I think it'll be out next year, and I want to reimagine this world in a different alternate variation where it's a little bit more expansive. Yeah, and discover and explore it all again. Um, even Me too. though I know where the story is going to go, I still think I can 
gain so much from that. Mm. Um, just one more awesome epic moment that I just remembered that's a really cool <laughs> bit in this whole show. It's the last one, I promise. When Cersei gets put in prison by the High Sparrow. Oh, the that High was, Sparrow didn't remind that me. Scene he gave was, me a headache for weeks. <laughs> that really shocked me. That scene, that really just came out of left field for me that he did that to her. And mm. then afterwards, of course, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, but it was re- it was really like, if you, again, if you haven't read the books, like it was a real... Yeah, that's it, true. It was one of the that's lower true. key, like, shocking moments. It wasn't like as hardcore as Red Wedding, but she did it's another one of those things that you know marjorie just like got blown up because she didn't see something coming she had her own plans going on cersei had her own plans going on she did not see this backfiring like it was really Same shocking to little us finger audience. he didn't see shit <laughs> you're pulled you're pulled into it with them like you yeah. trust them because they trust themselves and then you realize other stuff's been going on over there like it's just yeah. so cool yeah i'm gonna miss true. it I'm, I'm i'm really really gonna miss it it's it, it is bizarre that it's finished it is it. bizarre. It, it will be weird on Monday when we don't watch it. it. Is. And even then, like, we knew that when the, the show finished for its season, we were like, all right, back next year, guys. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, yeah. it's yeah. kind of like school's finished. That's it. There's no more. And we obviously, we, the prequels are on their way because HBO mm. is going to be funneling so much money into the franchise now. Yeah, but, but I, I, don't, I don't know how I feel I, about them. I'm actually not yeah, that I, keen. Neither am I. And I mean, obviously, we have to wait till what the details are. But yeah. I think at the end of the day, I'd, we're just not going to get anything like this ever again. It makes me think of, I hate to say Harry Potter again, but I'd, it's similar as in I just think we're attached to the characters that we have and it will be odd to see different Actors and actresses existing, in some that, of which yeah. are going to be well known. I think Naomi Watts is already Naomi cast. Watts is in it. Um, Josh Whitehouse is in it. Georgie Hanley's in it. You know, like yeah. Lucy from yes, the Narnia movies. Like, I think it's going to have a stellar cast, but it will um, just feel secondary, which I think will be a problem for me. It's going to be. Yeah. It's going to go nowhere. Like it, you know, it's it's been done by Jane Goldman, who did um like Kingsman. Um, oh, and okay. George R. R. Martin is writing it with her. Like it's it's got so much caliber and weight behind it, but it's. It's Game of Thrones 2.0 inferior version, even if it's superior. Even if season one of Blood Moon is better than season eight of Game of Thrones, it's still like inferior version. It came from Game version. of Thrones. Yeah. yeah. And I just think it's going to go the way of all Joey style spinoffs. Yeah. It's going to go in the toilet. Like his his other show, like Nightcrawlers, that just got cancelled after one season. Like, I hope it doesn't go nowhere. I'll still watch it, but it's not. It's yeah, not I will this. still watch it. This yeah. is not this, like this. Capitalized on a zeitgeist that was unexpected, and you can't, lightning does not strike twice. No, it really doesn't. And you can't plan for it either. You can't plan for and expect for and hope for it. You just have to do it and then be shocked when it is amazing. Yeah, like this has been. Yeah, which makes me think I'm just looking forward to being able to watch it again and again and again yeah. and again. But I mean, the thing is, it's like I've the the thing I've been doing in, when I go onto YouTube now. It's not like to go and find whatever videos. It's like I'm gonna go. I, like in my recommendations, it's like someone just doing supercuts of like Tyrion's best moments, and then mm-hmm. and then I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go watch 17 minutes of Tyrion's best moments. All I do every day since the new season started is like apart from memes apart um, from memes memes. (laughs) no like it's every day it's like thor skywalker and like god academy and um in deep geek like all these people who do video essays on like all the episodes like i just listen to like responses to an analysis of the episodes we've just had Mm. all day every day like i've heard so many different analyses in the past week like it's like game of thrones is the only place my head has been at for like a week at least yeah maybe two weeks i I think mine will be for uh the next couple of days as well like there's just been so many the discussion still continues 
to live on. People mm-hmm. are still discussing it. People so are still many articles, asking. like so many perspectives and interpretations. Like it's interpretations of TV culture as well as of the individual characters in the story. It's just, it's phenomenal. Mm. I th- and this is the thing when people are they say they're so upset by it. I think it's one of those things where you take a step back and realize the journey that you went on watching the show. Yeah. And I know that's really kind of like, you know, it is a bit corny, but like you took a journey watching the show, whether you started from day one or whether you started after hearing about the Red Wedding. Yeah. You know, um, at the end of the day, you've journeyed with everyone else and you won't do it with anything else. No, and that's it. And th- that's what I mean when I say it's phenomenal. Like that's yeah. not just a turn of phrase. Like Game of Thrones is a phenomenon. Yeah, it is. Like it's, it's something that has just, impacted our generation mm. it, well part it, it i mean that's it's the end of an era now with the, the difference in in streaming and all that other stuff that's, yeah, absolutely that, that's it it's done there's and the production values that benchmark it will pro- hopefully not go back down but they yeah. definitely set it yeah for that's what it. tv can do yeah or what people can expect from tv yeah exactly and i mean there's so many other shows in production that are trying to capture the same thing about lightning in a bottle yeah and whether it works or not like with Amazon's Lord of the Rings and all that sort of stuff I don't know how that's going to go but oh Jess is pulling I'm a face I'm not cool yeah I'm not cool with it either <laughs> not cool with that I'm not cool with it but they got Brian Cogwin on it so that's cool I guess yeah um, but but it, that doesn't matter because you know because Peter Jackson any final words before I wrap it up Marjorie for life <laughs> you can little finger for life little finger for life <laughs> down with Sansa do you want to say anything lastly about Marjorie before we stop? I just want to thank everybody who listens to this podcast because <laughs> I just talk so much nonsense and get so like <laughs> impassioned and ridiculous and people still continue to listen. And I know that most listeners are just me listening to it over and over again. <laughs> but for anybody else who's listening who isn't me, like as Nick said, we've all been on this journey together. So thanks, guys. Mm, yeah. Thanks for coming on to the show, Jess. Thank you so much. Yeah. I am sad that I didn't get to come on before now. <laughs> I can't believe it took us fucking so many years I to actually know. get you on. Do you think it was worth it to get her on? Was she? Did she do a good enough job? Ah, right. Considering I watched the episode only one time. That is true. Not bad. That is true. Not bad. I watched it another time that same night. And it came over I've and only seen it. season yes, eight else. each episode once. I really need to I re-watched go through them all again. One, two, six times. Three, twice. How could you watch two six times? It was so boring. I need boring. night vision goggles for episode three. Yeah. P.S. Episode four I watched once. I will never watch that episode again. <laughs> I watched the bells twice and what I watched the finale. This is embarrassing, but what happened in episode four again? Masandi got her head chopped off. Oh, yes. Rhaegal right. died. It was probably the worst episode that the show's ever done. That was cut together really shoddily. Oh. Let's not end on such a sour yeah, note. Anyway, sorry, <laughs> you did try and wrap it up and then we, we took a turn. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it, it was, yeah. It's amazing to to have you on, and you know, no, thank you. Appreciate both of you, John, especially finding the time constantly to tape these episodes. Um, uh, I want to I want to give a, a thank uh, just uh, really quickly. I want to thank everyone for um, for reading my reviews over the last eight years. Um, the guests of the show that have come on, uh, I'm going to name everyone. Uh, Emma, Liz. Samson, Hugh, Tom, Dan, Sarah, Jess, Jazz, uh, <laughs> Dan, did I say Dan? I said, you already said Dan already. Uh, who am I missing? Liz, Emma. Yeah, I think that's everyone. Think who do you, who else did you do DMP with? Hugh and Tom. Was he, did you say him? Yeah, Tom was on. Yeah, because Tom, we did, uh, we did 
full recaps of a season in one episode in season oh, yeah. four. So we started actually taping podcasts for season four, from season four onwards. But we it became one of those things where it was like the show needed to be analyzed episode by episode rather than being like, let's dilute it into an hour in a sure, season, yeah, which yeah. you literally cannot do for something like this. So, And I just want to say yeah. on the note of like recording this podcast with you that you were asked on Facebook the other day who the hottest gay guy that you podcast <laughs> with is and I know who asked you that question because I'm not an idiot and I also know that the answer is me and not him look so, I you didn't ask that question no I did about not about yourself but I know who did because <laughs> that's what I thought <laughs> nope it was not me okay but the answer to that question is me is you okay <laughs> sure is John don't patronize me. I said it was it's sure. Your, sure yeah, is. you said it with a glint in your eyes. It's not your netball sure buddy. Is. It's me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's it. That's it. Feast for Thrones is now finished. Um, wow. Oh my God. No, no, no. It's not. We'll do like another. Until like, next time. We'll have to find another show. <laughs> yeah. No, we'll do an episode that's like, in. you know, that that recounts over the whole of Game of Thrones. Yeah. There's. Oh, you should do it. What, it would be cool to pick episodes at random. Well, the. And do a reflect. We yeah. wanted to reflection on them. We wanted to take some time off. I need to take some time off, um, and come back and probably reassess the show um, after the dust has settled. Mm-hmm. Um, Hugh's coming back onto the show because I I wanted to talk to him because Hugh's been basically like my guide since day day one because uh, his knowledge is so in depth because he's read the book so many times. So having him on and John on and sort of dissecting those the big moments and, and the things in the show that worked and didn't work and yeah so you know I, th- I think Feast of Thrones is sort of a show is, is done but we will probably be coming back as in a retrospective sense to have a look back at the show just because I feel like it's so important not even just because it's Game of Thrones but it's so important to culture that I think it deserves to be explored um, in a continued sense and probably like the, you know Feast of Thrones has been and I'm rambling here but has hasn't really got too much of a structure to it, so these episodes will probably be probably have a little bit more structure to them. So, yeah, but that'll um that's it. There's no more Feast for Thrones. Looking at episodes, so thank you it. for listening, everyone. Yeah, thanks so much for listening, guys. It honestly it it does it means the world that you take the time out to listen. This is probably going to run for two hours, um, <laughs> but you take the time to listen and and respond to articles and send memes and joke and find those moments um spoil the show for for people that uh, haven't aren't able to watch it for 12 hours after that play netball until nine <sighs> o'clock at night so let me just clarify nick you like being sent memes i love being sent okay memes. cool cool, cool. the memes that's this season have cool, been cool, cool. good to know quality memes all right that's awesome um, good to know so the more memes the better bulk memes but just the fact that i've been able to um communicate and talk to people that I haven't spoken to in years says, I think to me, it speaks volumes to the, the impact the show has had on the community and there's going to be nothing else like it. And I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it a lot. So yeah, I think that does it. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <Jen. laughs> you better. <laughs> well right. said. That'll well do said. it. Thanks, John. Thank you for always having me on. It's a real privilege. Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> fuck, that was really arrogant. Sorry. Uh, and thanks Jess appreciate it you're welcome alright guys that'll do us for uh, now that's as far as I've got Um, I should promote the other show 
Uh, what the hell is the show? Uh, John and I are still continuing to do that. Uh, we're reorganizing our schedule to uh, pump out some more episodes. So keep an ear out on that on that feed. Um, not sure what's happening with DMP. We still need to sit down and work out the future for the podcast. So at this stage, this might be the last podcast um, for DMP, but we'll see how it goes. But as always, I cannot thank you enough for listening. I will talk to you guys next time. <laughs>